Zombies, and welcome to another episode of the Resurrection of Zombie 7 podcast. This is episode number 303, our May 2019 episode, and today we're looking at movies with a theme of secrets in treehouses. That's a very, uh, I know, odd theme, but when you hear the movies, um, you probably have already seen the movies because it's in in the title of the podcast. But it's going to make sense if you've seen both these movies, because today we'll be covering the 2018 film Hereditary and the 1987 film The Gate. Since I grew up in 1987, I had to find someone who grew up in 2018. Let me introduce to you my co-host all the way from Canada. Welcome back to the show, Shani Dreadful. Hello, thank you for having me back. (laughs) It's been a long time since we've seen you on the podcast, just because we took a long time off. Um, I know. Since August. Last time I was on was in August. Did you look that up? Uh, it's set in my Skype feed. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's been it's been a minute. Uh, so what have you been up to since the last time we saw our, our listeners are always curious about what our uh, co-hosts, guest hosts are up to? Uh, have you had any more children? I have not had any more children. <laughs> I- <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, not a whole lot. I've been watching a lot of horror movies, playing some video games. Beating some people in Dungeons and Dragons, I've, yes, as I understand. Yes, I have. Yes, I've been playing a lot of Dungeons and Dragons since it's, the last time I was on your podcast. It's making a comeback. You know what you need to do? What you need to do is you need to get a hold of Dungeons and Dragons, the cartoon from the mid-80s. Bet that is funny as fuck. You can probably get the whole series for about ten bucks. I'm guessing. I used to. It's a Saturday, it was a Saturday morning cartoon. I used to watch it when I was um, younger. I actually have the first. I think first season on DVD. I think I bought it for like five bucks somewhere. See, I started reading one of the new comic series for Dungeons and Dragons, and that's pretty good. But I cannot imagine a cartoon about Dungeons and Dragons from the '80s to be. Yes, super, here's the premise great. of the cartoon, since I'm guessing 95% of the audience is either not old enough to have remembered it, or if they are old enough, probably never watched it or remember it at all. <laughs> um, it, the premise is these teenagers get in uh, to this roller coaster that goes through a Dungeons and Dragons type setting, and somehow this transports them. I don't remember how, because it's been a long time for me, uh, but somehow it transports them to the world of Dungeons and Dragons, and they... Uh, they wake up in this new world and they're one of them's, you know, one of them is a warrior and one of them is a, a, a warlock or what do you guys call them? One of them is a paladin, you know. How very 80s. It is very 80s, but I think it's very corny because all 80s cartoons were kind of the same. I think it's a Hanna-Barbera deal. I don't, I'm not 100% sure on that, but you should check it out if you're into Dungeons and Dragons. You can Actually, you don't even have to buy them. I'm sure they're all on YouTube at this point. I'll try it. Check out one episode. No. Um, just so you guys know, uh, listeners, if it sounds like uh, Shani Dreadful is uh, at the backside of the room and running towards the microphone whenever she talks, <laughs> I'm not making her do that. Like, that's not part of me on, on the he podcast. Is. Like, I'm like, like tied up to these chains in his basement, and I keep trying to get to the mic, and he keeps pulling it away a little bit farther each time. Just for legal purposes, I'm going to deny all of that. Um, <laughs> but I, I do not say if yeah, you can be on the podcast, but you have to start at the back of the room every time you talk and run towards the microphone. It's some weird, uh, glitch in, in, I'm going to blame Skype. I always blame Skype really probably what it is. I need a new soundboard, uh, but soundboards 
far down on the list. I got a big hole in the roof of my garage. So I could buy a soundboard, I could fix the roof of my garage, you know. Well, and make the podcast sound better. That's for sure. Priorities, for sure. Maybe if I fix the hole in the roof of my garage, I could podcast out there and it would sound really cool. Yeah. No, nothing sounds cool out there. As for myself in the last month, uh, if you're wondering what I've been up to, super busy. Uh, I had... uh, I've been pretty much drunk since the last time I podcast. It's uh, it was tournament season for the bowling, so uh, you know I won some monies. Uh, you, you drink a lot during tournaments because there's no way you're gonna have fun. It's and all a blur now. It's, it's it's something happened. I had money in my wallet when I woke up. Oh my god! Speaking of bowling, I went bowling just the other week and I did so good. I won once. Well, well, <laughs> what kind of bowling is it up there? It's the little balls. It's not like the like the big ones. So it's like uh, duck pin bowling. Like five, I think it's five pin. Oh, it's five pin bowling. Okay. But I got over a hundred and I won. <laughs> you got over a hundred with five pins. That's pretty good. Yeah, I was excited. Who was with you that you beat? Was it your husband? Yeah, I beat Jordan and then a couple co-workers. It was like a work event. So now you have bragging rights until the next time you guys bowling. I do, because I've never won. I always lose. I'm always last place, so go me. <laughs> it's all that Dungeons & Dragons. Training well, I tried right. bowling with my left hand instead of my right, and apparently I'm a lot better with my left hand. Maybe secretly you're just Secret. left-handed. Maybe. When I told you these movies that we're going to do today for the podcast, uh, Sh- uh, Chantel, did you guess the theme that I was going for? Okay, well, I've seen Hereditary before, so then I was watching The Gate, and I was like, how the fuck do these correlate? What do you mean? <laughs> well, as we go through them, I'll point them out, but The Gate is pretty much the same movie. There's a ton of similarities. Oh, I didn't see it at all. I was very, like, I, I don't know. I felt like, I don't know, I don't want to spoil too much, so I'll probably have to wait to get into that. <laughs> well, we will, we will mention this. If you haven't watched The Gate, that's your own fault, but um, if you haven't watched Hereditary yet... Uh, it is actually, even though I watched it on DVD just because I got one for Christmas and I wanted to open it because what's the point of having it if you're not going to watch it? Uh, but it is actually available to stream if you're on Amazon Prime in America. I don't know about that Canadian Amazon Prime. I have no idea. I don't have Amazon Prime. Uh, but a lot of people here do. So if you have Amazon Prime, it's free to stream uh, there. And I'm sure it's probably somewhere else on Hulu or Netflix or somewhere. But I did see that it was available on Amazon Prime. At this point, you can easily find it. If you haven't seen it, uh, you may want to go see it because I'm I'm going to talk about it. You guys will listen to the podcast before you know I'm not going to pull punches. So now is your chance to pause. You know what? No, just turn the podcast off. Go watch the movie. Then come back and start the podcast over. That way we get an extra hit. Yes. As a matter of fact, everyone should do that. And this in the middle of the podcast, just turn it off. And then when you come back to the podcast, reload it and hit play again. What's so hard about that? Five seconds of your day. Help a brother out. Right. Speaking of helping a brother out, I have two, two requests of our audience today, Chantel. What are they? One is fairly simple. Uh, I have... Uh, convention coming up in September. 
I have a dilemma. My dilemma is this. So my favorite movie, everyone who's listening to the podcast knows is Scream. And this is going to be a Scream-oriented uh, convention because they're doing... Those guys are finally doing conventions, you know. We were all stars in the 90s, and now we're not as big, so we'll do conventions. Uh, so far on the plate, Nev Campbell, Rose McGowan, Matthew Lillard. Uh, they're going to add more. I'm sure the way these conventions work, they'll probably add more Scream people since that's the central theme yeah, for, the, for the show. So I've met Dev Campbell, got my picture with her. My question is this, because I need to get the rest of their autographs or whatever onto my vintage 1996 Scream poster. My options are this. Should I get individual pictures taken with them at their tables for an extra fee, of course, or should I just pay whatever the buttload of money is going to be for the professional photo group photo op? I'd say group photo op. Personally, Chantel's going with group photo op. Uh, so I just need advice, listeners. What would you do? Hit me up on the Facebook page or on the 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 comment section for this on the website. Hit us up on the the Padded Room website now that we're uh, members of the Padded Room network. There's lots of ways you can let us know on Twitter. Hit us up on Twitter. And be like, hey, uh, take your picture with all of them at the same time. It'll probably cost $300, depending on how many people are there. That's my first request. Second request from the audience. Go to IHateStuff.net. <laughs> it's my other website where I do uh, pop culture-related things. Mostly horror pop culture-related things. Although now, right now, I am going through uh, the Marvel Universe, watching the Marvel movies, and giving my very respected professional reviews of... <laughs> The Marvel movies. I'm currently, uh, my next movie to watch is Iron Man 2. So as you can see, I'm really deep into the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe. And are all of these movies a first-time watch for you? Every single one of them is a first-time watch for me. Wild. Like, I legit don't even know what happens in any of them. All I'm going to say is my favorite is probably The Hulk. He's your favorite character, or that's your favorite movie? He's my favorite character. His movies aren't amazing. <laughs> yeah, because people told me that The Incredible Hawk was the worst movie in The Batch, and I just watched that one. The Edward Norton, Liv Tyler deal. Um, so that review, I just put up earlier this week on IHateStuff.net. Go there, check that out. Check out my other podcast, the Salem 1692 podcast. By the time this airs, episode 8 will be out. Uh, we're kind of starting... To get into the witchcraft trials now on that one. Um, any any longtime listener knows that I'm a big um, history buff when it comes to the Salem witch trials. So this is just kind of a, this is what happened for reals. Yes, and the podcast is actually so good. So good. I listen to every single episode. Uh, it's just me talking. Maybe it's one so day. fucking good. <laughs> maybe one day we'll add ambient music. Ooh, spooky. Uh, once we get through the witch trials, though, and we get into like modern day Sam or whatever, I'll have some um, people on. People that really have been on this podcast already, but some new people as well. But that's in the future. So go check that out, ihastep.net. Tell me tell me your advice about what I should do on uh, convention photos. Uh, and then go watch Hereditary if you haven't done it yet and come back. Hit, hit the button again. Make it all happen. Uh, but now, let's discuss the movie Hereditary. And you said you've seen this a few times, right, Chantel? Yes. Yes, I have. So I've seen this exactly once, last night. Um, but I've heard good things going in. Mm -hmm. 
as I was explaining to Chantel before the we started recording, uh, like I'm everybody's go-to horror guy that I know, and they're always coming to me. Have you seen this one? What do you think about this one? And it's always newer stuff, and like usually I haven't seen it. Uh, and this is probably the one I got to ask about most last year, in the last the last three or four months of last year. I kept saying, "Oh yeah, it's on my list. I need to see it." And now I have finally uh, have finally seen it. But going into this film. I should say that I don't know if you know this or not, uh, Chantel, but this this movie actually started out, and it makes sense um, if you know the movie. It actually started out not as a horror movie, right? It started oh, out I didn't know that. as just a family tragedy movie, like a drama, a family drama. I could see that. Uh, written, I could get that. Yeah, written by this guy, uh, Ari Aster, who's the writer-director of the film. Uh, he added the horror stuff later on in order to better market it. Spice it up. Um, which brought him, you know, to this uh, this new company, A24. They've only had like four or five films out. But this one uh, and another one that they've done is The Witch. They're looking for a certain kind of horror. Because I would say this is similar to The Witch in pacing. Like, uh, I feel like it's more of like an artsy, like more artistic type of film. Versus, like, more traditional horror films that we've been getting lately, like paranormal activity movies and stuff like that. Well, I mean, that's a good, that's actually a good um, parallel because these are both, like, paranormal horror films. Um, so you can't really take this one and its pacing and, like, compare it to something like Saw. <laughs> yeah, Saw or It. Because um, they're two completely different kinds, genres of horror, subgenres mm-hmm. of horror. A better uh, comparison would be the Paranormal Activity movies, which are which are basically at this point parodies of paranormal films. We never got to those when we were doing franchises on this, uh, and thank God we never got to those because I was seriously I was seriously dreading that franchise. Oh, if you ever do, if you ever decide you just want to do like a throwback Thursday and do like a franchise, I really hope you do that one, and I really hope you invite me on. <laughs> And who knows what will happen when I get bored, when I get done with the projects I'm currently working on, which never happened. I never get done with anything. So that's the um, mm-hmm. I'm like a, a Greek, tragic Greek hero figure, always starting things, never finishing. Uh, but A24 seems to be this production company that's willing uh, to distribute these these kind of films. Um, and it makes me happy, Chantel. Why a- is that? A24 makes me happy. We'll see as we go through this movie. But And these movies are the kind of movies that are really highly rated by critics, but not so much by the audience. Uh, but I like The Witch. It was too slow for a lot of other people, but given my background, it makes sense. I liked it, too. Um, so with it, with this film, we have quite a few people that we actually know. They went out and got real actors for this one. <laughs> like Immediately, I recognized Tony Collette. She plays the mother role uh, in this film, and I recognize I recognize her from The Sixth Sense, uh, where she played the mother in that film as well. But she's been in a ton of stuff. You know, Tony Collette. I don't, but I like I recognize her, but I just didn't know what it could be from. Uh, and then Gabriel Byrne plays the dad in this film, and he's been in uh, like a bazillion hundred thousand things. Uh, I, I recognize him from The Usual Suspects. Uh, he was in Stigmata, which I've seen. I don't know if I rec- recognized him from that. Cause I don't remember much about that movie. Um, and then Alex Wolf, uh, the guy who plays the son, he is a seasoned actor. But the young lady who plays the daughter in this film, 
Millie Shapiro. This is her first feature film. Uh, she's a state. See that? Yeah, she was a stage actress before this. I don't know. She'll probably get more work based on this. I'm guessing. Oh, definitely. I feel like she would too. Um, so there's not a lot of characters really in this film. Those are the main four. There's like uh, one other character that's pretty prominent, and then everybody else is just kind of side characters that you see a couple times. I mean, enough to recognize their role in the the person's life, but not really much more than that. They don't play a role in the film. We start off, we are with the Graham family, and Annie is uh, kind of a weird profession. Like, she makes miniatures for a living. You know anyone who makes miniatures uh, there, Chantel? No. Like, I know people that do, like, 3D printing and stuff like that, but... Like, people that paint miniatures. Yeah, because you're a D&D person. That's what all the nerds do, right? Yeah. <laughs> so... You know, you can just go down to the comic book store and they already have the pre-painted ones. They're be- they're way better pre-painted than you can paint them. I don't know about that. Oh, yeah. You think you're good at it? Oh, I don't think I'm good at it, though. I think some of my friends Who's the be, Who like, is the best uh, miniature painter of the Canadian Horror House that's really no longer the Canadian Horror House since it all broke it broke down? And you guys had a civil war and stuff and three of you are dead. Probably say maybe my friend Tony... She's not really, like, part of the Canadian Horror House so much, but she is really good at that kind of stuff. Do you think you can make a living out of it selling miniatures like Annie does? No. <laughs> I was trying to think no. of what, it, what you would even need a miniature made of. Like, who buys the miniatures? Honestly, I have no idea. But like, I don't know how a person would really make a living unless it's, like, for kids' toys, like, Dollhouses. Yeah, there's a lucrative. Well, that, those are mass produced, though. There's a lucrative miniature. There must be a lucrative miniature market out there somewhere. I went to a paranormal convention uh, at one point, like I don't know, four or five, six years ago, maybe, and it shared a convention center with another convention that was taking place. And this was a convention of people who make miniatures. Oh. To my <laughs> chagrin, no midgets or dwarves of any kind. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> Just regular people with these tiny, tiny houses. Um, so our main Graham family here is Annie. She makes the miniatures. She's the mother of the matriarch. Steve, who is uh, her husband, he seems, uh, I don't know. He seems, I don't want to say stern. I don't think I don't think stern is the right word. But he seems uh, grave. Does that make sense? He doesn't he didn't seem to show a lot of emotion. He's just kind of there. Yeah, I agree. I'm thinking that Steve and Annie's relationship Wow, I don't know that it's on the rocks, but I don't think there's much passion there. Yeah, I don't know if I'd really want to be in a relationship with Annie, so I feel like there probably wouldn't be much passion with anyone she'd be with. Are you trying to insinuate Annie is a lesbian? Hmm. No, I think she's just kind of like a bland person. I think Steve is a bland person. Yeah, I think Steve's also a bland person. What I also think is that when they... Uh, you know, do their marital duties, so to speak. <laughs> uh, I'm believing it's missionary. Five minutes tops. Good and done. Yeah, probably. That would explain why their kids are so fucked up. Oh, my God. Why? Why would that explain why their kids are so I fucked mean, up? I mean, you know, they're just missionary five minute kids. <laughs> I think maybe we have discovered... Like, how people become serial killers. 
How people get messed up in the head, they're missionary five-minute kids. So for the sake of your children, people out there who are married, two or three positions, you know, try to make it a little go seven seven or eight minutes at least. Do a little foreplay if you have to. Like Switch it up. Four, foreplay, kids. Foreplay. Uh, so they have a 16-year-old son named Peter. And they have a uh, 13-year-old daughter uh, named Charlie. And I will tell you this about this household. They, they do not own a brush. There's no um, utensils of any sort uh, to comb your hair in that house. Am I wrong? No. I, th- I think I agree. Uh, the only one who ever has their hair brushed is Steve. And I believe that he probably hides something at his work. <laughs> yeah, the whole family looks a little bit disheveled. Peter, as a 16-year-old boy, has the most like oily, like fucked up hair that never gets brushed. Literally Brody. Um, <laughs> Charlie, as a 13-year-old girl, has never brushed her hair once. And there's, you know, entire nests of rodents living in her hair. Um, <laughs> and Annie, as a professional woman, <laughs> uh, an artist, uh, given, but um, she also is um, not keen on taming the wild hair on top of her head. She's an artist. She's too busy to brush hair. Right. And this may be, this may have been a directorial choice in order to differentiate these characters from the rest of the world. Yeah, make them a little bit, like, look a little bit more crazy. Right. To show that they're different. Because when, when Peter is in the classroom with all the other high school kids, uh, he definitely stands out. Because you're like, man, who's that dude who doesn't brush his hair? Does he not, (laughs) does he not own a brush? Can we buy this motherfucker a brush? Maybe that's why Brody doesn't brush his hair. Whatever works for you, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, Charlie is a little, it's a little odd as a little girl. Um, she's what the what the kids today today would call eccentric. Uh, I'm I'm definitely sure she rates somewhere on the autistic scale. See, that's what I thought. Yeah, I didn't she- want to be the person to say that, but I was like. I'm pretty sure she's an autistic character, yeah, which is she, fine. Like, not a big deal, but... She doesn't uh, talk much. Uh, she will uh, grow up to become a serial killer okay. at some point. I think she's definitely going to be a serial killer. Oh, um, for sure. She makes this sound a lot with her mouth. If you, if you kids are wondering what sound I just made, uh, take, the, take your tongue and rub it against the top of your mouth and... Do that. She does that constantly uh, for no reason. Well, there is a reason, I guess. Uh, we'll get to that here in a little bit. Uh, so the movie starts off with Annie's mother, the grandmother of these two kids. Uh, she's dead. So the movie starts off with her funeral. It seems like uh, no one in the Graham family is very um, sad about her passing. Uh, Charlie, maybe, because it seemed like she had a relationship with uh, Grandma, but no one else really did. We learned that uh, Annie and her mom, Ellen, are uh, estranged. Uh, didn't really um, get along or speak until near the very end uh, of Ellen's life when she came to live with them for the last, uh, you know, how many ever years since Annie was born. And she took a... I'm sorry, not Annie, Charlie. Um, she took a great interest in charlie the grandmother did to the point where um annie was 
not very happy with the relationship between uh, Charlie um, and her mother. That was fucking weird. At one point, Annie created a miniature of herself breastfeeding or attempting to breastfeed uh, Charlie. And there was a character that was representative of her mom uh, all standing next to bed with her titty out. Yeah, it was really weird. There you go. There's an old lady titty in miniature form. Uh, I wasn't breastfed as a child. I feel like that is one of the reasons I am like I am. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> so, <laughs> people, breastfeed your children. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Although turn out like myself and or uh, Chantel. Dungeon and Dragon playing freaks. They did like that, though. Mm -hmm. Only the other ones that weren't breastfed. <laughs> uh, we, we learned very quickly on, very shortly after she's passed away, that um, Ellen's grave has been desecrated. Steve learns this, uh, but he feels like Annie's kind of upset, so he doesn't really tell her that. Uh, but this is like a supernatural horror film, so we do get... Some crazy little things happening here and there. Uh, like Annie sees her mom in her workshop at one point. And everything that happens to Annie, she puts in miniature form. She's on a deadline with some sort of art gallery in order to make these miniatures. So I guess she's have a, she has a showing coming up. Like, I guess this is, these are works of art uh, for her. So I don't know where she's finding the time to make all these other miniatures. I'm like, you need to get your shit done. You know, we'll worry about the rest <laughs> of this shit later. But they got a big ass house. And I'm sure that isn't cheap. I don't know what uh, Steve does for a living, some sort of office setting, but I'm pretty sure that he probably can't handle that mortgage all by himself. Oh, definitely not. And I'm wondering if Annie's not bringing in more money than him. You think? Not that there's anything wrong with that, uh, but, you know, it's a little different way to look at the movie if Steve is like, hey, this is my money horse. We, ex we explain his attitude a little better. In what way? Um, You know, we'll get into it once we find out what happens in the movie. Okay. Okay. I will say this. This is one of those movies uh, similar to uh, Trick or Treat that almost begs a second viewing. And maybe you can speak to this, uh, having viewed it multiple times. Uh, because yeah, I definitely needed to watch it more than once. There was so much that I missed the first time around. That's what I'm saying. There's a, there's a ton of like... You know, things that are you, you just feel like it's a throwaway line. Uh, mm -hmm. or something that have a lot more meaning once you actually know the ending of the movie. So watching it a second time uh, would give you that perspective of, oh, that's really cool. Because then you know what happens. Um, so I really like movies like that. They're super clever, um, and it, g it gives you rewatchability. Yeah, I agree. Um, so Annie ends up at a support group to talk about um, her mom and the mental illness uh, that her mom had and uh, how she's grieving. Because I think she feels a little guilty that she's not really super upset. Uh, that that she's not super upset that grandma died. Not her grandma, her mom, but I'll call her grandma. Yeah, yeah, just so we don't get confused. Uh, but basically, this scene is just to establish uh, the fact that Ellen what played a major fig was a major role in the upbringing of Charlie. Which is super important later. Uh, so Peter, let's go back to Peter. He's a 16-year-old boy. He does 16-year-old boy things like he looks at the girl in front of his, uh, in front of him and classes ass. Um, which, you know, when I was 16, uh, the, the whole butt thing wasn't really a thing. Now that it is, thanks to the Kardashians, I guess. 
Was it more like boobies? It was a boob. Yeah, it was boob. The girls uh, who had the biggest boobs were the most popular. Oh, yeah. That was the same when I was in high school. Man, times have changed. Now it's all about the booty. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) I at least stand a chance now. (laughs) (laughs) So he wants to go to this party. Uh, Peter is a pothead, uh, which, you know, whatever. Nothing wrong with that. But his mom wants him to take uh, his his little sister, Charlie, uh, to the party with him. Although his mom is tricked into believing it's some sort of school function because she's trying to get, you know, she's trying to get Charlie out more and trying to uh, let her lead a normal life. Because Charlie is not normal. Because in her spare time. No, no. In her spare. Yeah. In her spare time, uh, she makes weird toys out of random things she finds on the ground. Um, and I'm pretty sure she caused the bird to die. Oh yeah. Like, do we think she has? Some, like, yeah. Do we think she has some powers? Yeah, like some carry shit. Yeah. Um. And not only did she cause the bird to die, uh, but she uh, takes some scissors and just cuts the bird's head off and puts it in her pocket. She's like, "This is cool." This girl's <laughs> fucked. <laughs> um. She's getting yelled at in the in the playground by strangers on the other side of the street. Um. Yeah, she's going she's going to kill people when she grows up uh, on For the reg sure. on the reg. And no one's going to say, uh, oh, he was so quiet. Like, I'm so surprised. They're going to say, yeah, I knew she's a fucking killer. Yeah, we saw her cut off that bird's head. Like, and w- where is the maintenance in the school, by the way? This letting a dead bird hang out in the middle of the playground um, during recess. Like, it wasn't like, oh, the bird's nest fell down and it's hidden behind a bush or something. This was like out in the open. I was like just right out there. Where is uh, groundskeeper Willie when you need him? Because let me tell you this, groundskeeper no. Willie, we don't let that shit happen. Yeah, what the fuck, Willie? <laughs> um, so Charlie's forced to go with him to this party, but he's like, "Hey, look, here's some chocolate cake. Want to eat that while I go uh, smoke weed with this chick? Because I'm trying to get in her pants." Uh, unfortunately uh, for both of them, uh, Charlie, as we learned earlier in the movie, is allergic to nuts. And let me ask you this, uh, Chantel, when they went to the party, like one of the first things you see is someone chopping up nuts on a on a on a um, cutting board. Did that click to you that, oh, shit, there's some nuts. She's probably going to have an allergic reaction to something. I think like the first time it did. Because that was the first thing I saw at the party. I was like, oh, yeah, we know what's happening here. Yeah, she's going to fucking die. <laughs> um. So, of course. She has an allergic reaction. Uh, to his credit, Peter does his best to get her out of there. Yeah. Uh, he got, has her in the backseat of the car, but she's... Uh, this her... scene fucks me up every time. I'm just going to say, <laughs> like, every fucking time. It, it kills is... me. I'm like... You get that, like, drop. Like, that feeling of dread just yeah. in the pit of your stomach. And you're like, oh, fuck. That sucks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what. The, the next 20 minutes of this film is hard to watch. It is, yeah. It's a, t- it's tough. It's tough to watch. It's, it's well, super well done. I'm gonna say that the acting in this film is superb. I agree. It like, is really good by all, by everyone. Um, the only thing I would say is, um, Gabriel Burns' Irish accent pops out a couple times. Uh, I don't yeah. know if that's by design. I think this, he was supposed to be American, but there's, there's like a handful of lines that he says, and you can hear that Irish accent. Um, I think that's just, you know, trying to do an accent and not uh, not being able to get it, which is OK, because I can't I can't do 
very good. I can't do an Irish accent, and I'm Irish. I'm part of Irish. I couldn't even if I tried. So that's the only thing that I would say. But other than that, I think the acting from everyone involved was superb. And like I said, these these upcoming scenes are kind of hard to watch because uh, Annie, who's third, or Annie, um, Charlie, who's thirteen years old, she can't breathe, right? So he's going eighty miles an hour to try to get her to the hospital as quick as possible, which is what I would do. And she sticks her head out the window to try to get some air. Uh, unfortunately uh, for her, mostly, uh, there's a telephone pole there that bashes her head and decapitates her. So she's not going to grow up. She is not going to grow up to be a serial killer. No, it just fucking took... It caught me so off guard. I was like... I was just like so certain. I was like, she's going to die in his back seat if she's not going to make it. Sticks her head out the window, and I was like, oh, fuck, no, and then suddenly gone. Well, I mean, first time when I watched it, well, first time, the only time I've watched it, um, I didn't realize her head had come off. I just thought I got bashed really good. I figured she was dead. Uh, but uh, watching Peter's reaction as he stops the car, it's heartbreaking. Uh, Alex Wolf does an excellent job in in that moment. Yeah, it's very believable, like such a believable performance. He gets uh, well. He doesn't. He doesn't go to the hospital. He doesn't go to the morgue. Uh, for some reason, because this whole family is all fucked in the head, they're all there's like mental disease uh, that has to come from generation to generation um, in this family. Is he just goes home, does not take her headless body uh, out of the car and goes to bed. I'm guessing he did not sleep. Would be my guess because uh, he's, he's in some sort of state of shock, you know, as anyone would be. Um, and he leaves the body of his headless sister for his mom to find the next morning. Uh, and that's hard to watch. Tony Collette, probably, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't pay attention to award ceremonies, but I'm guessing she didn't get nominated for an award for this movie. Uh, probably because it's a horror movie, but, uh, would not have been surprised if she did. She got nominated for Sixth Sense. Uh, and this was a much stronger performance. So I can't even imagine what that would be like. I'm not a parent. Uh, you shouldn't even think about it, Chantel. It's just a movie. Oh. <laughs> uh, like, but I don't know. Every time I watch stuff like that, I always like put myself into that situation. Like, and that's how like usually horror movies, like psychologically, you'll usually like get under my skin a little bit more. So I'm like sitting there. I'm like thinking, oh my fucking god! Like if that happened to me, like if that was Demetrius and aided in the back, like it's right. so crazy. And I was like, oh, it broke my heart. I was crushed. It's uh, it, yeah, it's tough, and uh, her performance makes it you know even tougher. So she's completely losing it, which is completely uh, understandable. Her relationship with Peter is um, non-existent at best at this point. They do end up having a, a table scene where they just she just lays into him, and he just kind of takes it, even though you know it was obviously an accident and he you can tell from his performance um that he's completely crushed by it like he's pretty much dead inside for most of the rest of the film and this is where it was a family tragedy drama movie uh what's what's good about the script and what's good about this film is even though they made it into a horror movie they didn't take that stuff out they didn't sacrifice a lot of the family drama stuff in order they to left make it all in. In order to make it a horror movie, and that's what makes it great because 
because we uh, we get to know these characters a lot better, and we we see the dynamic between all of the members uh, of the family. So when the, even the smallest thing happens, you can be like, oh shit, well that's not going to go over well with Steve. Yeah, it definitely adds like more depth to the film. Like I feel like you're getting a whole season's worth of TV in like a two hour period. Yeah, I could see that with all the dialogue and everything. I mean, we're getting to know these characters uh, really well, but it also helps that there's only five characters in the entire film, and one of them is dead now. Um, even though she still remains relevant to the film because they're still seeing her, uh, her ghost. They're hearing the sound occasionally. Um, Peter it sees his sister uh, in the shadows a lot, and turns out this to be you know some random form that's a shadow on the wall. Annie just basically has a complete mental breakdown, as you know any mom who loses her uh, child would. I feel like I'd be in the same. Like I feel like I wouldn't like. I don't want to say I'd react the same way that she did, but I feel like I would be like destroyed. Well, I, I from personal experience, I mean, my mom didn't have a complete mental breakdown like Annie has. But uh, my sister's been passed away for over 10 years now. My mom's never been the same person uh, since then. And somewhat relate to, you know, what um, Annie's going through. It's it's really, really well done. Do you feel that due to your own personal experiences that you were able to like be affected by this movie more because of what you've gone through? I wouldn't say effect- affected by more. What I would say is... I could relate more to what was happening, and if it had re- if it had read false to me, uh, I would have been more likely to have been you know like well fuck this this is a stupid yeah Does that makes it a part of it more yeah, yeah no that makes sense. Uh, so Annie ends up going back to the support group. She meets a lady named Joan. Um, who claims to have lost uh, her son and grandson in the drowning accident. So she kind of knows what Annie is going through. And they become friends. In the meantime, while their relationship is growing, uh, Annie's relationship with her son and her husband uh, basically is falling apart. Because uh, she's been estranged from her son Ever since she had a sleepwalking incident where apparently she poured paint thinner all over her kids and almost set them on fire. And herself, to, to be fair. Um, so that was um, a moment where Peter was like, uh, yeah, mom, you're fucking crazy. Maybe we shouldn't be doing this kind of shit. Yeah. So they didn't have the best relationship to begin with. And now it's more estranged uh, because even though the death of Charlie was an accident, obviously uh, Amy... Put some of the blame on Peter. Uh, but Peter throws the blame right back on her. It's like, oh, well, um, why do you think she's in the car? You made her go. Which doesn't help the situation at all for Annie. No, it definitely escalates it. And Steve's trying to be the quiet peacemaker. Let it kind of play out. Uh, at one point, he just is fed up with Annie. And... and Basically, it says, look, dinner's done. Uh, you can fucking come down to either or not. I don't give a shit. Like, those words, exact words. Like, I don't give a shit. He's done with her. 
at this point. Like he, she's tried to help her. She just keeps getting crazier and crazier. And I think that's a, you know, I think that would be a common reaction from a father figure that has that kind of stoic personality that Steve does. Keep your emotions bottled inside. We do see him break down once or twice, but never in the company of other people. You know what I'm saying? He seems, yeah, like didn't have as much mental health issue. Right, right. The rest of the family so did. So I he, feel like he's just like very separated from everything that's going on. Much more stable. Yeah. Much more representative of the average person, maybe. Yeah. The average successful defi- person. Oh, definitely. Annie does eventually run into Joan again. Uh, and Joan is like, Annie, you got to check this out. I learned how to be a freaking medium. <laughs> Which, you know, I know. I'm I'm friends with people who are mediums. Uh, I'm friends with people who are fortune tellers in Salem. That's not how mediumship works. Uh, but for the sake of for the sake of the movie, uh, she learns to become a medium. She says a certain phrase in a certain language, um, and through the sliding of a cup on a table and a chalkboard, she's able to communicate with her grandson, uh, which Annie finds amazing and obviously wants to do the same thing with Charlie, as any mother who's lost a child would want to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in order to do this, she has to have the whole family on board. Um, So she gets her son and her husband, and the same shit happens at her house. Like, Charlie is communicating with them through the cup, through drawing Steve in his, you know, everyman sort of an emotionless attitude refuses to believe what's happening. I I think right. Yeah. Um, and Peter's just scared as shit about it. Well, I think he thinks that his wife's just going crazy. Well, he definitely thinks that, but I mean, he was there when the cup moved by itself. I don't, I don't know how you would explain that away. He looked under the table to make sure there wasn't any Magnus or anything else involved. So there's obviously got to be something going on that he chooses to ignore. Like, and like yeah. I said, Peter, the son, uh, he is just scared shitless because he doesn't understand what's going on. Uh, but as the film goes on, uh, after this point, Annie continues to try to communicate with Charlie. Uh, unfortunately, while some communication is possible, uh, Charlie isn't as harmless uh, as you would want the ghost of your 13-year-old child to be. Um, she seems to be causing nightmares. She seems to be scaring the shit out of the son uh, and writing, drawing pictures in the book, which is what she did a lot. Drawing pictures of the book of, the, of, of her brother uh, with his eyes poked out for some reason or another. All these pictures are kind of the same. So Annie realizes... Um, she needs to get some help because her family's basically being uh, haunted by this entity that may or may not be her daughter. I think at that point, she doesn't think it's really her daughter anymore. I agree. Um, she goes over to Joan's house. Joan's not there, but she does. There was a big deal made about this welcome mat that Joan had that uh, previously... Annie had a welcome mat, the same kind of welcome mat, because her mom made those kind of welcome mats, because that, mm-hmm. you know, as a hobby or whatever. Uh, and then Annie starts to put two and two together and says, well, why would, you know, why would she have this mat? So she runs back home, goes through her mom's things, finds an old picture album, basically learns that, jo- and finds Joan in these albums, by the way, 
but she basically learns that her mom was like the leader of some sort of cult and uh, Joan was one of her people uh, in the cult. They're trying to raise this demon called Payman, whom uh, I believe is actually a real demon. Yes, I was doing a little bit of research on that myself as well, and I've seen mixed resources. I found some people's resources that said, yes, this is all the information. They laid out all these books of, like, proof of payment. But then I've seen the opposite, where payment was actually a mixture between, I guess, two different. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure that uh, Ari, the guy who wrote this film, he took took from here and there and just made a demon however he wanted to make it. Because he has that, right, as our artistic license mm-hmm. sort of situation. But in her revelations, um, Annie decides to go up to the attic for some reason or another. And let me tell you this. When she opens the attic door, all these flies come out. Right? Um, But they're CGI flies. (laughs) And they look terrible. Yeah. I'm like, seriously, it's 2000. By the time this movie came out, I'm I'm guessing it was filmed in 2017. Uh, You can do better on flies in 2017 i mean come on use Uh, no i totally agree use real flies if you have to like it took me out of the moment it was it was so bad like it's all intense and i'm like oh my god look how fucking terrible those flies look well i want to say i have seen worse flies or bugs in horror movies but but those are usually worse horror movies i was like referring to the next movie we're about to film (laughs) or uh, record about (laughs) Uh, the the movies that the movie that somehow that you don't see any resemblance to this film at all, but okay. okay um, as we're going through this, I'm starting to see a little <laughs> bit more similarities. Uh, well, what we should mention that we haven't mentioned is there is a uh, there's a tree house that Charlie liked to hang out in. Um, it looks like a cabin, like a tree cabin. Um, and this is a pretty fucking nice tree house. Like these guys have money; they've obviously paid somebody to build this tree house. Like if you've seen. The treehouse show on like A and E or whatever channel that's on, where they build people treehouses to live in, is basically like one of those. That's wild. Have you ever had a Have you ever had a treehouse, Chantel? No, my parents were always scared that I'd fall out of one. Oh well, I mean, <laughs> I've been to Saskatchewan now, and I don't think I ever saw a tree. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't think I saw a tree <laughs> in all of Saskatchewan. It was like Minnesota, Prairie, Fargo, and then ten hours of nothing. Uh, and then a bunch of buildings, and then turn around, and then, I don't think I saw a single tree. There's two trees in my yard. <laughs> uh, you know what else I didn't see? I didn't see a statue of Deadpool, <laughs> who allegedly is from uh, Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. Uh, this upset me greatly. It upsets me, too. I think we did, like, uh, we tried to get one, and then we got denied. There uh, should be a person that is just dressed like Deadpool that runs around and solves crime in <laughs> Regina, Saskatchewan. I know there is uh, what there's the guy that drives around the truck that says Ass Man on it. Ass real man. big. Ass Man, yeah. You know, he's world famous. It's his last name. I have no idea. Ask Mr. Universe. He'll tell you all about it. Okay. <laughs> he knows all about the ass man. Oh my god, I bet he does. Uh, but the flies are in the attic for a reason, and that reason is Annie's mother's body has been uh, dug up. That's what the grave was desecrated. 
and it's been hanging out in some sort of ritual setting in the attic with a bunch of candles, a bunch of symbols, I'm just presuming laid there by her cult at some point. Which begs a few questions. One, I don't know, uh, Chantel, if you've ever been around a degrading uh, body that's falling apart because I it's have. dead for <laughs> like a couple of months. I, this film probably takes place in a what within a six week period, eight week period. Uh, but that thing is going to smell a lot. Yeah. Decomposing flesh does not smell good. And it'll literally never leave your nose. Like, I swear to God, from my time working at a funeral home, I will never forget the things and the that I've seen and the smells that I've smelled. And let me tell you this. I'm, I'm going to guess um, the funeral home that you worked in, none of the bodies um, had decomposed as much as this one did in the movie. Not at all. They basically stuff like that goes almost straight to the crematorium. Right. Uh, so, you know, if that thing is in your attic, you're going to smell that shit. Oh, for sure. Like uh, within days. And you're going to smell it like for a long time and it's going to smell fucking awful. Like when you're the you're the kid riding your bike down the street and there's been some roadkill on the road for a while that no one's come and picked up. Like the city hasn't come picked it up or whatever. Like, you start avoiding that area of the street because the smell's so fucking bad after a couple of days. So, I mean, ugh, you didn't smell anything? Like, what's going on here? Uh, secondly, um, like, fucking who put that there? Somebody broke into the house and put a body in your attic and no one noticed? They're very quiet. <laughs> I mean, the cult people, when we do see them, are very quiet people. But, you know, if you saw some uh, some guy with a big belly that's naked running around your house, you're going to ask some questions. Yeah, no shit. I mean, my wife asks questions. I'm like, hey, I live here. <laughs> I can do this. I, I paid the mortgage. Come on, man. Oh, no. <laughs> um, she's like, we just fucking put some clothes on? Shit. Uh, <laughs> While this is happening, that's a pretty big discovery, but Annie feels like she pretty much has this um, all figured out at this point. But while this is happening, poor uh, Peter is at school, and his body basically is being taken over by some unknown entity. Um, as we realize, as, as Annie realizes, it's really uh, Peter that they're after. Right? They need a male ves vessel for this demon to inhabit, to come back in. Yes. Peter's at school. He's raising his hand against his will, which at first I thought I was like, oh, this demon's fucking with him because he's making him raise his hand during a, you know, during class to answer a question, which he doesn't know the answer to. Because let's, let's face it, Peter's not the brightest kid in the no. class. Um, Mine's usually elsewhere, I feel. And it's like a Greek mythology sort of a literature class, which is tough. It's just tough. He probably shouldn't even be in that class, honestly. He's probably like in basic algebra or something. <laughs> uh, but I'm like, okay, he's gonna have to. He's gonna make himself look like a fool. Uh, but and the, that's not what really happened. He just kind of smashed his face into his desk so hard that he broke his nose. Um, so in hindsight, he probably would rather, you know, look foolish in the classroom. Uh, so Steve goes and picks his son up, takes him home. Kid goes to bed, falls asleep. 
he gets like Steve is accosted by Annie and she's like, look, we have this notebook full of drawings uh, that ghost Charlie made. If we could just throw this in the fire and destroy this, I think it would solve everything. Uh, she tried to do this once before, but her arm caught on fire. Uh, and she says that it was because this because she threw the book in the fire and the demon was pissed off. I think maybe she set her arm too close to the fire because she was pretty fucking close to that fire. Yeah, I don't know. I think they do stuff like that, though, to start making you think whether you're like wondering if this is like caused like by an accident or whether this is like demons or spiritual entities and stuff like that making me think things happen. Well, let me ask the whole like thing with the mental illness too. like, are these things actually happening or is this just fucking his head just finally just losing it and he's smashing his own face into Right, so let me ask you this, even though we're not to the end of the movie quite yet. Um, I'm going to... Spoiler alert! Hey, uh, it's real paranormal shit that's not in her head. Uh, but <laughs> but would you be... Have been surprised... Have you ever seen the movie Secret Window with Johnny Depp? Yes, I have. So would you be surprised if this had a Secret Window type of ending? Where none of it actually happened as we saw it. We all, But we saw we were seeing it through Annie's head the whole time. And everybody's See, like, uh, what... why are you so fucking crazy? That's what I thought was going to happen with this movie. Like, that's where I thought it was going. I didn't think that it was going to end the way that it did. So super caught off guard. I'm going to tell you this. that This movie was good enough to the point where um, I wasn't even trying to guess what was going to happen. I was just along for the ride. And that's pretty rare for me. Because that's not how my brain works. My brain's not used to that. Yeah, I'm always having to, like, I'm always, like, sitting there even, like, I went to watch Detective Pikachu today. <laughs> yes. I was trying to figure out the ending. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just the horrors of uh, actual CGI Pikachu with Deadpool's voice. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what's scarier, this movie or, <laughs> or that one, probably. It was a good fucking movie. Yeah, God yeah. damn. Pikachu. <laughs> Pikachu. It was so cute. Anyways. <laughs> but you love things that are cute. That's like your thing. It was such a good movie, though. I felt like it was really nostalgic. <laughs> this podcast is turning into a different podcast yeah, right now. Okay. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, horror for kids. Spookorama Radio. P- Detective Pikachu. Oh, it was so good. Demetrius will come on. <laughs> that was your mother's uh, Mother's Day. But we should mention this appropriately for this film uh, that we're taking or not. We're actually recording this on Mother's Day, which is very appropriate for Hereditary, Arr. by the way. Um, so, you know, I hope everyone said, uh, you know, happy Mother's Day to their mother. I saw my mom today. I texted all the mothers that I know. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, I even spoke with Chantel's mother briefly. Just, she told me when we went just out for saying, supper. Just saying. <laughs> oh my God. Don't say that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, back to, uh, Hereditary. Uh, Annie's trying to get Steve to throw this book in there. And basically he, like absolutely just said he literally just says uh i think you're fucking crazy and i'm not doing anything that you say like i think that's almost word for word what he said the word fucking was in there for definite sure uh but he's just like no you're crazy we're done this is over so he's going to i don't know go to the mental hospital take her to the mental hospital or whatever she grabs the book decides she's gonna throw it into the fireplace because even though it didn't burn the first time maybe it'll burn this time right because she, spo- she poured a bunch of um, lighter fluid all over it or something. 
Something does burn, but it's not the book. Do you know what burns, Chantel? What burns, Ron? Steve. It's Steve. Steve catches on fucking fire. Right. Like, <laughs> like, 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 not even like his arm when I time. like he just burst into flames. Um, so way to go, Annie. Way to be, uh, way to kill your husband. Uh, what's crazy about this scene is she doesn't even notice that he's on fire for like three seconds. I'm like, someone just exploded on fire behind you, like five feet behind you. You didn't even notice for the first three seconds. Like, oh shit. <laughs> um, so, you know, Steve is gone. Uh, we actually said there. Through the whole movie, this is kind of a cool little thing in the movie that I haven't been mentioning either. But I can't mention every cool little thing in the movie or else this podcast would be about four hours long. Uh, and I'd have about five pages of notes. I can barely deal with a page and a half. So there's a cool little thing in the movie where there's this blue light, right? And kind of whenever someone's being possessed, this blue light, I, don't, I can't explain it. It's not, it's, not like a, it's not like a glowing blue light. It's just like a quick blue light. Right, and it goes into uh, the person, which kind of signifies that they're being possessed. This happens to Annie. The demon. So you know, some time passes. Peter wakes up. He goes downstairs, uh, sees his charred father. Um, what's really great about this scene is, and this Ari Aster guy, he's really good about doing this, hiding things in the shadows of scenes, like just off center. That you really have to be paying attention to see. For example, when this one's a little more obvious, but there were other things too. Uh, but this one's probably the, the most obvious one that I'm going to mention here. So Peter goes downstairs, sees his dad, has the proper appropriate reaction. But way up in the left-hand corner of the screen is his mom, like Spider-Manning it in the upper left-hand corner of the room. And they don't bring any attention to it. And she kind of blends in with the background. Because it's a very dark movie. Dark colors. Uh, very uh, atmospheric. Looks like it's going to rain every single day. Sort of a deal. And all the colors are dull. There's no bright colors in the movie. No. And that's, you know, that's obviously on purpose. Um, yeah, a very neutral color palette for sure. Then, when Peter turns around, there's uh, on the right-hand side in the lower doorway... Um, after the mom, oh, very, it's very silly looking, um, levitates away <laughs> behind <laughs> him. It looks, it just looks silly. They should have probably taken that out. It kind of took, again, kind of took me out of the moment. Uh, there's the a naked guy in the darkness in the doorway, right? And I'm like, who the fuck is this naked guy? Did I miss something? Uh, but it's quickly explained. Peter manages, um, to get, uh, did you see the mom in the upper left-hand corner of the room? Yeah, I did. I think that's only because, like, I went to the, I saw this movie originally in the theater. So I feel like stuff like that was a little bit more noticeable on the big screen. Sure, and there, like I said, there's several, and the, the director's this Ari Aster guy. This is like his first like major motion picture. Like, I'm, I'm a fan. Like, sign me up. Uh, he's very good, also at framing scenes so they're just a little bit off you know what i'm saying like instead of framing someone just in the middle of the scene it's just they're just a little bit to the right or a little bit to the left just enough to make you uneasy yeah because then you're waiting for what's going to happen right just them just enough for your brain to be like something's wrong here yeah very smart move the mom starts chasing 
her son, but she's being possessed, obviously, and chases him up to the attic where we're all expecting to see the dead body of the grandmother. But the dead body of the grandmother is no longer there. Instead uh, is a picture of him, right? And he turns around and there's a bunch of naked people in the attic. And I actually paused it on those naked people. Not because I'm like, hey, naked people. Uh, <laughs> don't, I wouldn't put sure, that out. Sure, sure. <laughs> but uh, I, I was wondering if there were people that I had seen in the movie before, even though there wasn't that many people. They're, they're just random naked people. And they're real-looking people. Does that, make, does that make sense? They're not like movie-looking people. Like an everyday person. Right, like like you, like if you're, if you see, uh, you know, the office secretary at a high school naked, this is what she's going to look like, probably. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, like, that's 100% what it is. It's not just, like, models and, like... Like I said, they're not, they're not, they're not movie naked. They're real naked people. Um, Which I find is, like, more unsettling to watch on the screen. It is. What's more unsettling than that, though, however, is the fact that uh, Peter's mom is now levitating into the to the roof of the attic uh, and taking a piano wire and uh, cutting her neck on either side as fast as she can to lop off her own head. Yeah. That's quite unsettling. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> um, uh, so Peter freaks out jumps out the window. This is the third story of the building lands face first uh, into the garden, which I don't know. Do you think that that the, do you think that that jump killed him? He gets up this. I don't um, want to, but he, the light enters him while he's on the ground. So I'm wondering if that didn't kill him. Uh, and then, you know, then he's after that, he's controlled by, another entity yeah i don't know like because to jump that high but yeah to jump from that height and land on your face and have no ill effects but maybe he's just like passed out and the demon's just like taking over either way uh the light goes into him uh, in a really super creepy scene i think uh the the Headless corpse of his mother floats by and up into the treehouse, right? Um, mm-hmm. Where some things have happened before in the movie. It's, you know, was Charlie's space that she liked. And um, Annie started sleeping in there uh, after Charlie died, which, you know, is probably not uncommon, you know, if the same situation was for a grieving mother. Looks uh, a little. Wanting to stay in places that are like common. Yeah, it looks a little different uh, when Peter goes up there, considering that. Um, there's a giant statue of Paimon, right? Uh, with Charlie's decapitated head on top and a crown uh, and a whole bunch of naked coven members behind him and the headless corpse of his grandmother and the headless corpse of his mother bowing to this uh, iconic uh, representation of Paimon. Super creepy. Yeah. Uh, I feel like everything by this, like, anything past the decapitation in this film, I found was just, like, getting creepier and creepier and creepier and more unsettling. Like, which decapitation? There are several. The original. <laughs> okay. Um, Joan is there, not naked, 
I don't know why she's so fucking special. She can't take off her fucking clothes. Um, no, that's not such a bad thing. <laughs> well, not that I particularly wanted to see her naked, but I'm saying, you know, everybody else is naked. Uh, anyway, she grabs the crown off of the idol, puts it on uh, Peter's head, then everyone bows to him. He is now the physical reputation of Paimon. Uh, we, we learn that Paimon has been liberated from his female host, which was Charlie, right? And now he is in Peter, and he is going to um, rule this coven slash cult that brought him uh, to life. And they call him Charlie. So there must be some meaning to the name Charlie, uh, because we've learned, you know, upon second viewing, maybe you picked this up more, but we learned earlier in the film that Annie had a brother named Charles that uh, committed suicide Probably because his uh, his mom, the grandma in this film, was trying to fucking get payment to fucking possess him. And he was having all kinds of fucking issues. Yeah, he was basically like, no thank you, demons. Yeah, I'm just going to come just gonna hang myself. Um, so the movie ends there. Like, I don't know what the um, legal, you know, our uh, police procedural repercussions uh, of all this it's going to be since, you know, you know, people are going to figure out that Annie and Steve are dead. Right. And Peter is still alive. There's a bunch of naked people worshiping him. At some point, <laughs> some police officers are going to come up there and be like, uh, what's going on here? We got a report of a naked uh, headless corpse floating around. <laughs> you know anything about this? And Peter's going to be like, uh, my name is Charlie and I'm a god. Thank you. It's not going to go over the court, but. It's just something that uh, I thought of when the movie was over. Like, yeah, well, this is going to be a whole heck of a mess for the cops later on. Um, but that's the end of Hereditary. And really, that's the only place it can end, right? We, the story's about... Yeah, the, this... unless, it, unless it went like that whole like secret window type thing where it was like really just all mental illness and just like all in like someone's head. But... I prefer this ending, to be honest. Right. Well, when she takes her own head off while floating in the air, that ending kind of was like, okay, well, that's not going to happen. What's up? <laughs> uh, well, do you think that would have been a better ending? No, no. I think how they ended it was the best way it could have ended. Yeah, yeah. I agree. This is this is the preferred ending. Um, the next chapter, what happens next, really, you know, who? this is the story about this family and this family's journey. So, um you know, if there was another movie about the reign of Charles, a.k.a. Peter, um, I don't think it would have been as compelling. But I agree. So I'm going to go ahead. Um, go ahead and uh, rate this film, you know, scale one through ten. You can use halves. Chantel, I don't know if you remember. Okay. It's, it's been a while since you've been on the show. <laughs> OK, so. I. Okay, the first time I watched this movie, I didn't do very much research, and I just kind of went into it blindly. Now, I didn't know that this was going to be like a paranormal type movie. I thought it was more of like a psychological type horror movie. So when I went in, and like my preferred horror movies are paranormal movies. I like supernatural stuff and stuff like that, and like witchy things. I mean, are you sure? Because from... 
my profile <laughs> of you as a horror fan seems to be I love things that are actually really bad and saw. Yeah. I don't, right. I don't know, like, how paranormal <laughs> you're getting with okay, Saw. But I feel like a lot of paranormal movies aren't very good, to be honest. Well, let's, let's be, if we're being super honest here, uh, just the m- massive amount of horror films that we have in the world, most of them aren't good. The majority of them aren't good. Which is very true. That's just part of the, that's just part of the charm of the genre. I also find like some of the other than clowns, like some of the things that scare me the most are like paranormal type movies. So when I went to this, I sure because because you know in this day and age you can have a stance, but no one can really prove one way or the other if that kind of shit can actually happen. Exactly, and to me that's like super freaky. Like, in its own like it's like it's the way. it's the Freddy Krueger syndrome. Like if you dream about Freddy Krueger, like oh I'm dreaming about Freddy Krueger. It's just, you know, because I watch Freddy Krueger movie, and isn't, but I mean, can he still kill me? Like, what's going on, you know? Yeah. yeah, I don't know. So when I first went to it, I actually wasn't... You cried? Super... You cried. Oh. See, I liked it up until it started to get to the supernatural point. Then I actually just kind of got frustrated and thought that they did a bit of a cop-out. Now, that being said... What what, what, we, what was their cop-out? I wish they just would have stuck with, like, mental illness and, like, that this lady was just, like, fucking going crazy and that it wasn't just, like, demons all along. But watching it a second time, I definitely liked it a lot more than the first time. And watching <laughs> it a third time, I liked it even more than the first and second. Like, a lot more. Yeah, okay. Like, I think that I kind of got a sense of, like, hey, this, like, when I first went to it, I just wasn't expecting what it was. And then I just kind of got off part on it so i would give it a solid 8.5 out of 10 it's a pretty good rating i was pretty happy uh i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna start by telling you the things i don't like in the film i hate those fucking flies right (laughs) yes we know (laughs) um a couple of the dream sequences i could do without like there's a lot of dream sequences in this that i didn't even really talk about um which probably is more a Result of this this being a family drama tragedy movie before being a horror movie. Uh, I think dream sequences are fine for horror films, but they kind of get overplayed sometimes. And some and these dream sequences were like super hokey. Um, maybe on purpose. I don't know, but I don't know that it worked. There was some silliness with like the flow. The, there was a couple of scenes that this I don't think worked. Here and there. Um, what you're going to have, I think, in a two-hour-plus movie. This is two hours and seven minutes, I think. Um, I did not like the thing for Charlie. Really? Yeah, I mean, maybe it's because I don't have kids. Oh, I don't know. It gives me, like, the shivers. I, well, I think it's it's obviously just, you know, just there to so you could, they could keep hearing that sound after she died. Definitely. Um... I don't know. It's just uh, a trope. I guess I've seen one one too many times. I didn't. I didn't hate it. It wasn't like the worst things ever happened. But uh, you know, if they had done something else other than that, that would have. I don't know. Do, do kids do that? I don't know. Do, do, does your kid do that? No. <laughs> <laughs> your kid's probably not going to be a psycho killer either. He seems seems like a very nice young man. Uh, <laughs> they seem normal for now. Yeah. 
Um, but other than that, I really um, enjoy this film. It's if you're going to compare it to another like really good horror film, like I would compare it probably to The Exorcist. Really, in the, just the pacing okay. with a with a big ending, um, and a lot of build up to that big ending. I mean, the pacing actually is probably a little better than The Exorcist. Like you know, Hammer famously in one of our early episodes got bored watching The Exorcist because he's you know he's younger, so he can't deal with. Uh, that sort of paranormal pacing. A lot of people can't. That's why films like this and The Witch uh, are not reviewed well by viewers, but are reviewed really well by critics. Uh, because, you know, the average viewer, and I'm going to completely stereotype people here. Uh, I don't know that me saying it makes it any better. But are like, oh, where's, you know... Where's the where's the explosions? Why is somebody why isn't uh why isn't somebody uh, getting their face ripped off right now? You know yeah. they want jump scares, um, and they want clowns. They want it. They don't want a movie they have to think about, which is so stupid in its own way. <sighs> I mean, you know, I could show this to ten random people at the bowling alley, and one of them might get it. You know what I'm saying? Might get the movie. That's how I feel. Like, if I brought this movie to work and was like, hey, girls, like, watch this. They'd all be like, what the fuck was that? I don't even understand. Like, what happened? <laughs> how that would go. <laughs> Those Saskatoon girls. Um, <laughs> but it is heartening to know that a lot of people did ask me about this film. Because I think uh, it reached more people than, than I probably just admitted to in that little... Uh, talk that I just gave. But I'm also giving this an 8.5. Yeah. Uh, this I would say that this and The Witch are probably two of the top, I'm going to say two of the top five horror films I've seen in the last 12 years. That's high for you. I mean, not like, not like overall, but like made in the last 12 years. So I'm really down with this A24 production company. Or distribution company. What's their next fucking movie? (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to be watching, though. And I'll probably go see it in the theater. Because I really like The Witch and I really like this one. Like, I'm looking... I'm actually looking forward to watching this one again. That doesn't happen very often. That's amazing. You'll probably like it even more the second time, I swear. I mean, I have a propensity to pick up on these sort of things the first time. Um, It's just how I watch movies. So, like, even little one-line things, like, at least for the two hours the movie's on, is in my head, like, okay, this throwaway throwaway line going to mean something? And I think that's just being a writer and writing stuff, you know. Definitely, yeah, you pick up on it more. Um, So, I'm sure there's things that I missed, and I'm sure that uh, it'll be enhanced viewing the second time around. So, I really enjoy things that are uh, clever like that. I feel like this movie, though, it got such a wide viewership in comparison to most other horror films is because I don't feel like it was necessarily billed as a horror film. Like when I went into it, I was thinking more of like a psychological thriller with a little bit of horror. It wasn't like like when I saw it, it was not what I expected it to be. And I feel like a lot of people felt that way, too. Well, I mean, the marketing was a little weird because I I, I've read and I remember that they were actually promoting um Charlie really heavy heavily in the marketing. Yes. <laughs> so so that wouldn't spoil the 
they were trying to go out of their way to not spoil that big death scene at one third into the movie. Yeah, so when she fucking died, I was like, what is this movie even going to be about? <laughs> Who are these other characters that I don't care about? <laughs> uh, much like, you know, in Deadpool 2, they marketed the hell out of X-Force and then they, spoiler alert for Deadpool 2, uh, they all died in two minutes of screen time. <laughs> Which works for it. Works. I mean, both they both worked. They both worked, so... All right, so let's move on to our second film. Are you ready to do this, um, Chantel? Oh boy! Are you are you ready to switch over to the gate? I right, am. another. Hey, which order did you watch these movies in? Did in the... you watch Hereditary and then the yeah, Gate? Yeah, I watched the gate? them. I watched them in the order that we're covering them. So I watched Hereditary first, then the Gate, and I had never seen the Gate. And even though you say they had, they look nothing alike. If you type in to Google movies like Hereditary, the Gate comes up. I could, I don't know. Is, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'm gonna ask you. I'm gonna ask you a series of true or false questions, right now. Okay. okay. Is there a treehouse in the gate? True. True or false? The treehouse holds a horrible secret. Um. True. Are there a family with a brother and sister combo? All right. True. Are there? <laughs> Bad CGI flies. True. <laughs> Is there a demon being raised? Uh, true. Can you not see the similarities between these two movies? Yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> well, I'm gonna put it out like that. I'm gonna go on record and just say that Hereditary is just a remake of The Gate. Okay, I would not. Go. <laughs> okay, there are basic premises of the movie. Going down to little details like a treehouse that are similar. Yeah, that's, that's our as theme. far as I would go. Secrets. I'd say this movie's, yeah, I'd say this in, movie's more like fucking gremlins. Secrets and treehouses. No, you're. I, yeah, I mean, I could see that. But I, I'm, I'm going to give you a better comparison when we get to that point, though. Uh, so, The Gate, 1987. So, I'm going to give you a little story here about this movie. So, a couple weeks ago. I don't know how many people were listening. Realize this. If you follow me on Facebook, uh, me personally on Facebook, uh, you understand because you saw all the photos. But every year I throw a big bowling tournament. I'm the host of the tournament. I put it together, whatever. Um, and we make, Jesus Christ, so many jello shots for this tournament. I mean, I can't even, I mean, I didn't even, can't even count that high. And uh, my best, one of my best friends, uh, Carl, who's been on the show before. Um, one of our Friday the 13th shows, I think, uh, and another friend of ours, they came down for the weekend, one, because they're bowling in the tournament, two, because, uh, they were helping me get stuff ready. And I had purchased these cards at the last horror convention I went to, and there's like the little, they're almost like little baseball cards, and they have a bunch of different sets, and this guy hand draws these cards, well, he hand draws the, the photos, and then he makes them into cards, right? And he has different sets, like uh, here's a vampire set, and here's uh, the Girls of Horror set. I bought the set that was called Creatures. And one of the creatures from this film was on one of the cards. So we're playing a little game. I'm showing them the cards. Hey, can you guess what movie this is from? And I had never even seen The Gate before, right? But I know that we're going to cover it at that point. And I hold up the card of one of the creatures from The Gate. My buddy Carl loses his fucking mind. He's just like, oh my god, that guy's from the fucking gate. Really? And I'm like, yeah, we're going to watch that and do it on the next podcast. 
He's like, dude, I've seen the gate like a thousand times. Uh, really? Now, now having seen it, I understand why. Because if you grew up in the late 80s, early 90s, like you probably were watching Showtime or HBO on the reg, right? And they have they have a propensity to play these like cheesy horror films, like from like midnight to like four. Not Cinemax, because then they were doing the sex stuff. But Showtime and HBO, and sometimes like USA, those kind of channels, they would play these like PG thirteen horror films from like midnight to like three in the morning. Yeah, that went on in the 90s, too, because, like, I remember that happening. Right, and this is the perfect movie for that. That's how I saw things like Ghoulies 1 and 2, um, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, that kind of shit. Yeah, it's like, when else would you really watch it? And (laughs) and the gate kind of fits that mold, right? Am I wrong? Yeah, no, I agree. It very much reeks of 80s cheap horror film. Directed by a guy named uh, Tibor Takix. Weird name. Uh, but but Chantel, even though his uh, filmography is kind of all over the place, he has directed... Um, we didn't really cover it on the podcast, but we kind of did uh, half-ass in, in an episode. The Crow. He directed a couple episodes of The Crow, Stairway to Heaven, which was the TV show about The Crow. That you probably didn't know existed. I did. Oh, well, look at you. Aren't you a little badass? <laughs> um, he also directed like some Sabrina the Teenage Witch, some other some other things, Red Shoe Diaries, that kind of stuff. But not like, you know, this isn't the guy that's fighting Steven Spielberg for movies to direct. He's directing The Gate. Uh, and the main character in this film is the film debut of Steven Dorff. You know Steven Dorf? Hey, the name sounds familiar, and I thought that the second I saw it rolling onto the credits, and I was like, what's that? Well, I mean, if you've seen him, you probably would recognize his face, even though he has a lot of baby fat, because he's still only like 12, 11, 12 years old in this movie. Like, the, like he is 12 or 11 years old, not yeah. his character. Um, he's been in a ton of stuff uh, that you've he probably looks like seen. like a big thing. Yeah, he's been in Blade. He was a regular yeah. in that first film. Uh, Fear.com. Um, Alone in the Dark. These are all like... I'm just I'm just doing the horror movies. He's, he's done a lot of action films, too. Okay. Um, he was in Bucky Larson, Born to be a Star. That's the David Spade film about being a... Or I think it's David Spade. It might be, might be somebody else. Rob Schneider, maybe. About being a porn star. Uh, he was in Leatherface, 2017, as well. But, I mean, look him up. He's been in a ton of things. You've seen him in something, for sure. Uh, the one thing I always <laughs> remember him from, just because it was the right the right age group, and <laughs> I'm going to let you in a little bit into my psyche here, Chantel. So, I'm a big Aerosmith fan, right? Okay. So, in the early uh, 90s, they had that trilogy of videos that was, they got big for a minute, the, uh, the Crying Amazing Crazy videos. You know what I'm talking about at all? Are you no too, idea are what you, you're talking about. Are you too young? So uh, they released an album called Get a Grip. Uh, there was these three ballads in the middle of the album that formed a trilogy. Um, they made these videos. They all starred Alicia Silverstone, which kind of brought her into stardom. That's kind of how she got her start was in these Aerosmith videos. Uh, Liv Tyler, also in the third video, kind of her 
she had done some acting before that, but I think this is kind of what really brought her into the limelight. So in the first video, crying, uh, Stephen Dorff played Leisha Silverstone's boyfriend. He had like this you know, white t-shirt on and this backwards hat and these cool sunglasses. And then Leisha Silverstone, who, you know, is at that time, especially uh, a really attractive young lady. Uh, climbed on his lap and was trying to make out with him because that's her boyfriend. Um, and then he just shoves her off because he's too cool for that. <laughs> and I wanted to be that dude. I wanted to be that cool guy in the white <laughs> shirt, uh, backwards hat, and the cool sunglasses. Maybe not being such an asshole. Like if a girl the caliber of Alicia Silverstone is climbing on top of me, I'm probably not throwing her off. <laughs> but you got to think about this guy's so cool. What, what else can he get that he's throwing Alicia Silverstone off? Uh, it doesn't work out well for him because she throws him out of the car and he's in the middle of nowhere. But that's, you know, neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, but that is my Stephen uh, Dorff memory. Uh, the rest of the everybody else in this film is just 80s cannon fodder type characters that you see in every 80s horror film that you that you don't ever remember, you know. Yeah, I didn't like honestly, nobody looked recognizable for me. Well, other than Stephen Dorff, no one else probably should. Uh, the other characters in the movie are basically his older sister, um, Alex, Alex, short for Alexandria, uh, and her friends who are typical, like, 80s valley girl types. Um, and his best friend, Terry, who, for some reason, would be, like, the nerd character in any other film. But in this film, he was, like, the heavy metal demonology guy. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? No way. <laughs> that kid's a fucking dweeb. Yeah, he's a uh, ginger for one. He's, uh, you know. Thick ass glasses. Big so ass thick thick glasses, yeah. Mop of hair, skinny. Gangly. Like, so gangly. Uh, but he listens to heavy metal music that, you know, somehow, sometimes the heavy metal music he listens to has, you know, demon rituals in them. Heavy metal music doesn't, honestly. I mean, yeah. That's why I listen. <laughs> it protects me from when Cthulhu will rise. All hell Cthulhu. Um, so, much like the film Hereditary, this film has several dream sequences as well. Also, much like the movie Hereditary, there's a dog. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, basically, basically in the beginning of this film, uh, Glenn, who's played by Stephen Dorff, the main character, he's 12 years old. He just has a nightmare that he's in this treehouse when the treehouse gets struck by lightning uh, and the treehouse falls down, which is just a metaphor for what's actually happening to the tree as it's getting cut down the next day by some uh, workers. And it happens to uh, they happen to find a geode in the the wreckage of this uh, taking down this tree. Do you have a geode, Chantel? I do. Have you ever found one was... in the wild like that? I haven't. But I thought it was so silly. Just the thought of like geode demons like fucking killed me. I was in tears. <laughs> well, I mean, to their credit, the geode, the demons did not come out of the geodes. Yeah, but it kind of looked like they did. And it was just like so silly. So for like the entire movie, because I was actually watching this with one of my girlfriends, I like to come over and I was like hey this is what we're doing like I have to watch this tonight so she was like okay and I just couldn't stop laughing and I just kept calling them geodemons like the entire movie every time I seen <laughs> one of the little fucking demons they didn't come out of the geodes though as you know as a writer let me explain to you what the geodes are for the geodes are just a reason 
to dig in the the hole. At least they gave her they gave a reason instead of just like we're digging the hole now. Do, 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 do. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, some... that's true. I swear to God, a demon like popped out of it the the second time, like the second one. Well, there was some lights or something shining out of it. Weird fucking shit. Well, no, you might you might have a case though. Uh, when we get there, I'll, I'll point it out. Uh, but twelve year old Glenn is uh, his house, his treehouse has been unceremoniously just like tore down. Like if they knew the people were coming to cut the tree down, wouldn't they take the treehouse down? Seemed like a danger to the construction workers, honestly. Yeah, honestly, because then the tree could just fall any which way. Yeah, treehouse is falling on on the. By the way, this this house, this uh, this complex, this uh, addition that they live in looked completely abandoned, like it was brand new. Uh, like no one actually lived in the in the houses yet, which I've read that the the reason they built a fence around the backyard was to hide the fact that there was a lot of construction vehicles in the area <laughs> building new houses. Like I think I don't think anybody li- actually lived in this edition. They just filmed here. Probably they knew knew somebody. You know, Glenn's best friend Terry, who's the dweeb heavy metal listener guy. He's a troublemaker. We all have this friend in our group of friends. That uh, is a shit stirrer, and if uh, you don't have a friend like that, then that means you are that person. Am I wrong, Chantel? Am I that person? I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying. There's from what you guys have explained to me, like even in your D and D group, there's a shit stirrer. <laughs> you know. Okay, the the person in the D and D group would definitely be Will, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Um, so this this kid is like, you know, uh, telling lies to Glenn that people are bricked up inside of his house because uh, some dog, some guy died. But he also was like, we need to dig up this fucking hole because there's geodes in there and we can make hundreds of dollars selling geodes, which he's not wrong. Yeah, because they're fucking huge. Because the geodes that they find... Yeah, they're pretty expensive. Like, if you want one of those that size, like in Salem, walking in one of the New Age stores, which admittedly is probably not the right place to buy them because they're going to be inflated in price, you know. Uh, but those the size that they have, they go for a few hundred dollars, the sizes that they find. Uh, but the parents decide that they need to leave for a while. I don't know where they're going. Uh, it's a weekend trip, seems like. They'll be gone for three days. Now, let me present this. Uh, to you, because you may be in this situation someday, Chantel. Uh, so Alexandria is 15, almost two weeks away from her 16th birthday. So we could say she's 16. Yeah. Uh, would you leave your home for three days under the guidance of your 16-year-old daughter to take care of uh, herself and your 12-year-old son? Um... No, I feel like possibly. It would depend, though. For three days? I don't know. My mom left. I was alone for three days before, but I guess I didn't have any siblings to take care of. I mean. Burned down. (laughs) And how'd that work out, Chantel? I had a few house parties. (laughs) Yeah. See? Yeah, maybe not. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe I wouldn't leave my yeah. kids alone. <laughs> when when you have those thoughts, Chantel, you think back to your childhood. Fuck. <laughs> like, what would I have done in this situation? No, the kids can never be alone ever. <laughs> exactly, because let's be honest, Chantel. Um, though you know you're like, oh, hey, I'm a responsible mother and a wife, and I have a, I own a home, 
and this is what I do with my life, and I'm, you know, 26 years old or whatever, uh, <laughs> you know, I have a different uh, picture of uh, 13 to 18-year-old Chantel of what might have went down during yeah. that time period, you know? We all have our... Uh, picture. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean, I, ha- I have a, picture, a mental picture and I have a literal, a literal picture. Uh, oh, so. No. We all have we all have our moments in our teenage years. Oh yeah, yeah we do. Anyway, I was thinking like, why the fuck are they leaving this house in the uh, under the for control? For some reason, it felt like they were left alone for weeks. <laughs> like, it didn't yeah, feel well, like three days. It may have it felt been like weeks. so long. Uh, so immediately, Alexandria throws a party with probably like I don't know ten, twelve people there. Uh, these are fifteen year olds. Uh, and they're drinking beer and they're smoking cigarettes, uh, which, you know, to me, a 15 year old kid at this point is just like a child. I'm like, what are, you, what are you doing drinking beer? I was definitely drinking beer and smoking cigarettes by 15, but that was a different yeah. era, right? Uh, I don't know. I, no, kids would be vaping now. Yeah, vaping, vaping the weed. People do that. I get my weed from 15 year old kids. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> uh, in the meantime up in the bedroom Glenn and Terry during this party they're trying to break this geode open they eventually do get the geode uh, to open up and and there's a lot of like there's like a light show in there um, and it makes like uh, some weird wording on this like uh, I don't know how you would explain those things they're the old I don't even know if they have them anymore but they're the old um toys where you could draw on like a screen yeah. and then if you lifted the screen up it erased everything right yeah i don't think they have that anymore but they had that when i was a kid i don't even know what that's called me neither but there's some weird words that are written on there that the kid reads because they always fucking read it because you know what just like hereditary you read some magic words to raise some demons i'm telling you hereditary is just <laughs> a remake of the gate I will say some, uh, well, we kind of skimmed over it, but while they were digging up the hole again, um, some weird, like, flies flew out, which they captured and put into a jar, which Glenn was very much against doing this, but Terry is sadistic because he's a heavy metal kid. I uh, does not care if these things die. But then he gives the jar to Terry, which is a really, or I'm sorry, he gives the jar to Glenn, which is really weird, and then Glenn doesn't free them anyway. So Glenn is just as responsible for the death of these flies. And they look so fucking stupid. <laughs> they look worse than the flies from Hereditary? Way worse. Way worse. <laughs> these are the dumbest thing. I was so mad. I was bitching about that for like five minutes after well, it happened. But it's 1987. I don't care. Use real fucking flies then because I was garbage. There, there are no computers in 1987. Uh, no, but I agree. Yeah, just use real flies. Same thing for Hereditary. Just use real flies. The fucking remake didn't even get it right. Uh, God damn it, it's not a remake. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So when they're downstairs, there is a party going on. One girl, it's got to be that girl, right? The girl who's all about, oh, I know all about this supernatural paranormal stuff. I'm just going to bring it up at the party. It's going to make me very very popular. Uh, This was basically Chantel. Am I right? This was you at parties when you were 14. So they try to do... You're not even (laughs) going to... They're going to try to do the uh, levitation thing. Like, I thought they were kind of going to do the chant from the craft. Like, the lies of feather, stiff as a board. Lies of feather, stiff as a board. But they just did the lies of feather part uh, with 
Glenn to make him levitate, and I'm using the quotation, the hand gestures for quotation marks. Um, uh, but to their surprise, Glenn does levitate and fucking rips one of the wall, the fucking light sockets out of the wall because he's freaking out because uh, he's levitating, basically because they, you know, they're halfway to raising the demon. Scene looks fucking stupid. <laughs> Again, let like me. Good up until the kid was like, "Let me take off like all the things off the fucking wall." <laughs> let me let me again oh, remind yeah. you, 1987. Oh my god, it killed me. <laughs> well, you know, there's levitation in this movie, just like there is in the remake Hereditary. Okay, for fuck's sake. Um, you don't see any similarities though between the two films. Don't <laughs> <laughs> stand in my ground. Um, so he's they're freaked out. You know, but they, you know, manage to go to bed uh, while they're getting ready for bed since there's, there, you know, there's demon juice loose everywhere around the house. Uh, and not literally. I'm, I'm just saying that, like, you know, the air is full of demon semen. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the kid, Terry, um, who we learned earlier that his mom has, I, I think they said his mom left, right? Left their dad? Or did she die? I don't fucking know. The parents were just gone. Yeah, well, that's the, it is the 80s. We didn't have any We didn't have any parents in the 80s. I mean, weeks went by, no parents. Yeah, I don't even remember parents in the 80s. Like, my mom, I remember her showing up sometime in the late 90s. <laughs> but I, I thought they said that the mom left them. But he kind of acted like she had died. Like, uh, all of a sudden, the door opens up. He sees his mama come in uh, through the door. And he, like, free, he's crying. Oh, mom, I miss you so much. Uh, you know, as the little crybaby babies do, uh, who, whose moms are gone forever because you probably chased her away because she hates you. Um, <laughs> happy Mother's Day. <laughs> uh, anyway, so he's like uh, dancing around with his mom and he's super happy. And then uh, the demon says, OK, enough of that shit. Uh, and he actually finds out he's dancing around with the family dog who happens to be dead. Yeah, shit was fucked up. Okay, so I did not realize that the dog was dead when he was dancing around with it. I thought he just threw the dog down and then it suddenly died. No, Terry is not to blame <laughs> for the death of the dog. And I was so confused. You're I was like, like what damn, the fuck? I already hate this fucking kid. Now he's killing dogs. Well, I was like, that fall would not kill that dog. It like <laughs> fell like a foot. <laughs> Well, that makes a lot more sense, seeing as it was already dead. Well, the dog has been established as being super old, too. Well, all right. 97 <laughs> years in dog years. Hey, when they said 97, I was like, dogs don't live that long. And then I was like, oh, dog years. Yeah. Yeah. Get well, it? dog years are supposed to be divided by seven or times seven, too. And 97 is not divisible by seven. Just for the record. Uh <laughs> So if you're going to pick a random number, at least pick one that makes sense. Yeah, stupid. So they're upset about the dog uh, dying. But life goes on. Uh, and the next day, Alex's uh, two ditzy girlfriends and her wannabe boyfriend uh, come over as Terry goes home to jam out on some air guitar uh, to his satanic music. And one of these satanic records has like a little booklet that goes with it that pretty much explains. <laughs> I don't know why this would be in an album, but it pretty much explains everything that you need uh, to do to raise this uh, demon. Yeah, like what a fucking coincidence. 
Yeah, I can't even. I don't even know if there's a name for this demon. I think it just says the demon. Probably the same demon name from Hereditary, honestly. Yeah, well, it's a remake, so yeah, probably payment. We're just gonna call it payment. So you're they're raising it tells you how to raise payment. And the weird thing is, after this, uh, this one album was put out by this great band from England that they worship the Satan and tells you how to raise this demon. And that band died because, uh, you know, that's what happens to satanic bands. Um, in the meantime, the uh, the dead dog needs to be disposed of, so it's given to the wannabe boyfriend to get rid of but the animal shelter is closed uh, so he just ends up burying it in the backyard in the um the hole that was caused by the tree getting knocked down where we believe the demons are going to come from the uh, demon gaff we learn through terry the heavy metal demon knowledgeable nerd guy that there needs to be a sacrifice made to as one of the steps for the demon so the dog acts as a sacrifice and they need two living sacrifices as well so plan part one of the plan has already been done inadvertently because this eric kid is a moron um and part two is what brings the suspense so we're in night two of the two girls the two ditzy uh valley type girls (laughs) I've come back over to have a sleepover. And am I the only person on the podcast currently who was like, okay, well, there's our two sacrifices. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's what I was sitting there thinking. I was like, oh, they're dead. Body uh, of bimbos. But, because that's what usually happens in the 80s horror films, right? Even though this is PG-13. The demon starts fucking around with uh, the people in the house. Uh, for one... The dead dog comes back. Is <laughs> hanging out in one of the beds. Uh, they, you know, acting like it's a human. So that's kind of gross. Uh, for two, the parents come back home, and Glenn is very happy about this until his dad's face melts in his hands, literally. Yeah, that part was fucked. It reminded me of like some like Evil Dead shit. <laughs> well, it was like claymation, so that would make sense. There's quite a bit of claymation in this film. Um, So not everybody is pretty much uh, freaking out because arms are coming out from underneath the bed and grabbing people's feet. Uh, This this movie very much reminded me, uh, you know, outside of being the original film that Hereditary is based on. um, Thank God. It also reminded me very much of the movie House. Have you seen House? Like the Japanese film, film, like Houseu? No, no, no. Uh, house is the we we did it on the podcast. We did the whole all four house movies. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, I don't know. Refresh my memory. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just like this. Like uh, weird shit happens in this house. So that's just kind of this. Kind of the same. Very similar. We made made about the same time. So maybe it was kind of a big thing back then. Uh, but eventually, uh, Alex goes outside to see what's going on because there's a lot of uh, shit coming out of the hole and she sees all these little uh i don't know claymation a combination of claymation and people in costumes but they're about what 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 would you say like one foot tall maybe these little demon geo demons yeah so the geo demons as you refer to them they kind of look like uh one of the ghoulies and they're very similar they're all the same they look the same 
they're very similar they're to the so ghoulies. So fucking dumb. <laughs> they're very, they're very similar. To kick their <laughs> stupid little faces. Well, I mean, oh they they did get their faces kicked a couple times. Not enough. The uh, they reminded me of. Well, they look like one of the ghoulies, but they reminded me more of if you I don't know how many people have seen this. I mean, we watched it for the podcast a while back. The little creatures on the first subspecies movie. More I've so. seen that one. But any, you know, this is a period of time where all these movies are coming out. Ghoulies and munchies. They're all just like, you know, critters. Yeah, they look stupid. They're like these little pork chops. They look like little like... Uh, I don't know that like they're chicken. pork chops. That's a kind of a weird connotation. Not pork chops. I mean, I know that... Uh, <laughs> but they look like those like, you know, like those chicken breasts that you just see in the store. But they have like little legs and they have these weird little like fucking oblong heads. With these weird little eyes. The chicken breasts at like, your stores have legs? I just imagine, like, if they did have legs, like, their bodies just kind of remind me of, like, raw chicken breast. Okay, well, this is the weirdest. This has to be the weirdest way these guys have ever been described ever by anybody. <laughs> Walking chicken breasts. Not chicken breasts, but, like, full chicken. Like, <laughs> if, if, let me tell you this, kids. Uh, if <laughs> your chicken breasts are the same color as these guys... Do not eat that chicken. <laughs> okay, All right. not color. All right. Just like like shape and texture. If your texture, you touch them? <laughs> I just imagine. Like, that's what it looks like. If your chicken breasts look anything like any creature in a movie, please do not eat them. <laughs> We've lost more listeners than I care to count from them eating this chicken uh, because Chantel uh, describes it so deliciously. You want to eat it, but, you know. Oh, this is why she doesn't eat meat. Honestly, it was like gray and like, I don't know. You're like, when my meat starts looking like little creatures from 80s films, I'm going to stop eating it. And then that's what happened. Ten years ago, I quit it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Terry has this uh, this dark book, right? That's supposed to tell them how they can get rid of these demons. But unfortunately for the whole group of them, the five of them that are still in the house, once he opens it, it bursts into flames. So that doesn't really help out. Thanks a lot. Uh, then he decides that they're going to read from the Bible just randomly. Because why not? That's Demons seem to hate that. So they go to the edge of the hole, start reading from the Bible, and it seems to be working. They The demons are not liking it at all. But unfortunately for Terry, he gets too close. He falls into the hole. Which, you know, I'm expecting some sort of hellscape in the hole, or like you would fall all the way through the earth to hell. And it's That's about, yeah, it's about what, seven, eight feet maybe. And it looks like any in the other hole. The only difference is um, these little creatures that you described as walking chicken breasts um, <laughs> all up here and try to eat you. Yeah. Like they literally try to eat him, like they bite him several times. He squishes one. He does squish one. Uh, but I will say their bite can't be that bad because after he got bit on the neck by one, there was no teeth mark there the whole rest of the movie. So it can't be all oh, that Oh, I bad. didn't even notice that. Yeah. The um, He gets out because it's PG-13. We're not going to see a little kid get devoured by these tiny chicken breast monsters. Um, I will say this. he When he went back up and saw the Bible... They're like, read anything. It doesn't matter. And so he starts reading um, the verse. Uh, In the beginning, God's created the heaven and the earth. I think even like the most ardent atheist 
um, probably knows that's Genesis one one. Am I am I correct in saying that? Um, I honestly I have no clue. <laughs> but in the beginnings, God's created the heaven and the earth. Where else are you going to start? That's got you know. It's the it's the first line of the Bible. Yes, though. So. Is, is that really? Is it really? Yeah, that's the I first. Like it was just like all like a mixture of fucking stories. It was like. Well, God has to create. I mean, they go in order. Like God has to create the earth before anybody can live on it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but I just, I just point this out because Terry's obviously reading from the middle of the book, and I'm like, no, motherfucker, that's at the very beginning. Anyway, he throws the Bible into the hole, and the hole seems the that seems to work. And it uh, seals the hole up and everything's good. Uh, and everybody is happy and going home. The girls the girls leave after, I don't know, some weird cameo appearance by three guys who are like, we're here to party. I'm like, what the fuck was that all about? I guess that's the reason for the girls to leave. But you could have just said, hey, we're leaving because things are fucking crazy here. <laughs> but, you know, whatever. Whatever works for, <laughs> whatever works for you. Uh, so they think everything's like really groovy. Uh, until they get to the basement and the zombified body of a construction worker breaks through the wall, uh, which works into uh, Terry had told the story to Glenn that when his house was being built, the construction worker had died. And the weather then get in trouble with the police. The other construction workers, this this hold them up in the wall because no one would ever notice that. Uh, but then he admits to making up the story that it was fake. But here we go. Here's a construction worker falling out, a, a zombie construction worker falling out of the wall and grabbing uh, Terry and putting him, pulling him into the wall, uh, which sealed itself behind it. So I guess that is a uh, sacrifice number one. See, I guess that's like another uh, comparison to Hereditary, where there's another dead person hidden in a wall and nobody fucking smells. Well, this one actually wouldn't smell because it was just made with, created by the demon. Oh, so it just died? Yeah, I, I think it's just the manifest, manifestation of this guy's story, just to, oh, okay. just to fuck with him. Uh, but I yes, the, the remake does not handle it as well as, well as the original. Uh, <laughs> so then uh, Alexandria, Al, as she's known in the movie, uh, is also accosted by the zombie construction worker because, you know, they need two souls. Uh, and in the, in a moment of badassery that I believe, Chantel, uh, if this were to happen to you, I feel like you could recreate this moment of badassery. Um, Al takes her ghetto blaster stereo. It's not really a ghetto blaster. It's not big enough to be, uh, but it's a portable stereo for sure. Uh, and the kind that we would have in our bathrooms back in the day. You put your little CD in there. Whether well, they didn't have CDs in 87. You put your little tape in there, you know, while you're taking a shower or something. Uh, and she, like, throws it and just bashes this guy in the head with it. I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I kind of think wanna... I'd do that. <laughs> yeah, I think that you... I think that you probably have done that. Yeah, Jordan's pissed me off a few too many times. I think that you probably... I'm not saying Jordan, uh, but in your <laughs> sordid teenage past... I think that you've uh, thrown a full-size radio and hit some dude in the head with it. Could you imagine? <laughs> uh, well, I have a little bit of experience with this. Here's a little... Uh, imagining, I, it's weird because we're going seven years, in the, we're almost seven years into the podcast, and I don't believe I've ever told this story. I actually found one that I've never told, I think. Uh, oh, so, shit. what's that? I said, oh, shit. Yeah. 
in when I was like 19 years old, I lived with this uh, my girlfriend at the time for like uh, you know five or six months, whatever. You're 19, like what the fuck do you know? But uh, she was, you know, she's a little aggressive sometimes. Um, and one time she got pissed off at me and uh, threw the alarm clock radio and um, busted me in the head with it. Oh my god! Like, Did you have to get like stitches or anything? No, I didn't get stitches, but I was bleeding pretty. I probably should have got stitches. I don't have a scar though, so it wasn't that bad, I guess. But I definitely was busted open quite a bit. What'd she say when she did that? Um, I don't know. I just kind of stormed out of the apartment. That was in retaliation, you know. I deserved it because I threw a pillow at her. God. That was that was her retaliation. Retaliation. Yeah, was to hit me in the oh. face with a alarm clock radio. Hey, no, I was never that crazy. So I never, uh, you know, I kind of know what this construction worker zombie is going through. I did not get knocked out or anything. You know, I was I was very bloody though. So there we go. I know I kind of know what's like. Although that one that that thing I got hit with was not nearly as big as the radio she hit this guy with, and he just like oh that, he falls down for a minute. He gets back up because he's a fucking zombie. Like, you're not going to kill him. Like, well, I know, maybe, maybe. Like, you know, hard hits to the head sometimes kills zombies. Uh, but for him, like, he falls down and he turns into all those little guys. The walking chicken nuggets that you hate. <laughs> um, he turns into all those guys, which, you know, it, it made me crack up because all I could think of was like they were all like standing on each other's shoulders pretending to be a big guy. You know, like Daffy Duck style, <laughs> like Bugs Bunny style. And so that would be awesome if we could get like a drawing of all those little guys standing standing on top of each other trying to be a zombie construction worker. All these weird geo demons. Um, so they go into a closet to try to find a uh, this rifle that they had previously talked about or actually shown on screen. Uh, the general rule of any sort of movie and or theater production. Chantel, I'm sure that you know this, is if you introduce a gun in Act 1, you better sure as hell use it in Act 3. That's just the rule. <laughs> so that's what they're doing uh, here. They go for the gun because, you know, it's a gun and we got a construction worker zombie after us. Uh, unfortunately, uh, in one of the book bags is Terry's head. It's not like his Terry's demonic head who's trying to bite uh, Al. And then she stabs him in the face with a Barbie doll. So it's got to be the first time a Barbie doll's ever killed the demon used, yeah been used as a weapon uh but the construction worker is not having any of this and comes in through the wall because that's like his superpower like he's like i can travel via walls and grabs al and pulls uh pulls her into the wall and now the demon uh paymon has his two people that he needed for a sacrifice he can now rise and uh you know for being 1987 and for some of the poor special effects we had seen in this movie prior to this, I thought the Paymon demon looked pretty good. It looked like a centipede. <laughs> That's what he reminded me of. Well, but a demonic centipede that could take over the world. Yeah, kind of like the demonic chicken breast. I mean, he, like the what? And demonic chicken breast. <laughs> yeah, well, he's probably just, just a kidding. bunch of those. He's probably just a bunch of little, little those little guys in a costume. Like the construction but he actually order. reminded me of this like thing that we just fought in Dungeons and Dragons. I can't fucking think of its name. It's going to bug me. It <laughs> reminded me like that's what I pictured that other thing to kind of look like. 
Well, Jordan should have showed you a still from the movie. I mean, like this Summer is why you're this is why you're fighting. Summerize. Yeah, that's AKA Paymon. Uh, so a giant uh, hole from hell forms in the in this house. This this centipede-like creature, giant one, rises up. He's pretty giant, but he's only two stories high because he's you know not as big as the house. So. How are you going to beat this thing? The only person that's left is Glenn, but luckily for him, the demon doesn't seem to want to kill him because the demon grabs him at one point and just kind of pets him on the head, right? Uh, and manages, for some reason, for some reason, Glenn gets an eyeball in his hand. Yeah, that was fucking weird. Any idea why Glenn got an eyeball in his hand? My guess is that the super special effects guy's like, hey guys, I can do a really good eyeball in the hand, just so you guys know. Heck this shit. I don't like, know. I think it was just the demon just fucking with his head. Then he like went and like stabbed the eyeball. Yeah, which had to suck, by the way. What way? To stab your own fucking hand. Ah, okay, okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah, um, when it wasn't a fucking eyeball and it was just his hand, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, so the demon grabs Glenn by the hand. Puts him down on the second story, pats him on the head, but this causes him to get the the eyeball in his hand. I think maybe to Can watch I? to watch him or something. And then the demon leaves, and Glenn's like, "Well, fuck this. I'm just gonna stab this eyeball that's in my hand." But I'm like, maybe if you didn't do that, the demon would just sort of been, went back down the hill and been like, "Yeah, we're cool, man. I just want to put an eyeball in somebody's hand. That's all I was really looking to do." That's all I was here for. Yeah, uh, but no, Glenn's an asshole, and um, you know, basically. You know, in the remake, he's played by changed to a female mother. He's played by Tony Collette in the remake, but in this one, he stabs his hand because he's a dick, and the demon comes back and he's like, "What the fuck, man? Like, I just put that hand, the eyeball on your hand. You would have a superpower or something. And now you're gonna be stabbing my fucking eye that I gave you. It's not a very nice way to treat somebody who just gave you a gift." <laughs> uh, but. The demon doesn't really do much of anything because he's kind of too big to move around. And I'm sure that the uh, puppeteers or whatever that was working in was like, yeah, well, he really can't do much. <laughs> he's like, he reminds me of, there's a there's a ride at Disney World called um, the Expedition Everest in the Animal Kingdom Park. And it's supposed to be like, you know, you're taking this uh, this little, little train to the other side of Everest. Uh, well, wait, there's an, there's a Yeti that lives in the middle of the mountain, and he doesn't like that. <laughs> he's ripping up the tracks, and he's super pissed. So there's, like, this little, I want to say, four or five-story high Yeti inside this mountain where the roller coaster's at. In, in the Disney park? Yeah, he's inside this giant mountain. They had to build a mountain around him. Like, literally, like, when they made it. Um, And this company that made him, he's supposed to do all these cool things and uh, all these cool animatronic motions. Um, and then he malfunctioned, and the company that made him is out of business, and they literally can't do anything to him because uh, they had to have to take apart the whole mountain in order to do it. So all no. he, so all they can do is like he does one motion, and they put like a strobe light on him, you know, the, the, so you kind of disorient you. I kind of feel like this guy, <laughs> this puppet for this is like the same thing because he just stands there outside the hall. <laughs> but they should at least put a strobe light on the motherfucker. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, so the only thing apparently that can kill this demon is some sort of symbol of love, light, and purity. And that's really uh, vague. Um, you know, but 
when you're writing these kind of things, and I've written these kind of things before, you're like, well, I can defeat a fucking Isaac. I made this goddamn demon, and he's so fucking powerful. Like, what well, can beat him? It's got to be true love or some bullshit. Uh, so that's what this true is. Love. And luckily for Glenn, he has this uh, surprise, like, rocket that his sister had bought. Um, he was going to give to his sister for her birthday as a symbol of love, light, and purity. Uh, so he shoots this rocket into the demon and it kills the demon and, and we get fireworks yeah there are fireworks that happen outside of the house uh and then the two people the terry and his sister they're okay because it's pg-13 uh, and the person i was watching this with i go well no one's gonna die it's pg-13 like whoever dies is gonna come back to life uh oh, not only sure. did they come back to life but also the dog so if anybody was worried about the dog everybody is okay um, and it was that was really kind of um, anticlimactic as <laughs> as the climax of the movie. I agree. And then I'm like, pissed. I'm like, what are they going to tell their mom and dad? Because you know what? Most of these movies, movies like, you know, there's some of this like weird science stuff like that. The house even goes back to the way it was. So we can be like, everybody, well, we're just going to live a regular life and we're never going to mention this again. And it's all cool. Mom and dad don't have to know nothing. But no, this house is completely destroyed. Like, they're going to they're gonna have to tear it down and start over. It's fine. I don't think mom and dad are ever coming back home. Probably not. Because, you know, because Al is almost 16. Uh, and that is uh, the gate. And I'm sure that if you're my age, well, probably even younger than me, like if you're above 35, you probably remember this movie fondly from your years of basic cable and it running uh, four times a day on HBO for a whole month. Is that how Carl remembers it? Yeah. Remember yeah. It being a good movie. Well, I mean, you know, he's, the nostalgia factor probably plays a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of movies like this in the 80s where the kids go on these wacky adventures because we didn't have, you know, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have mobile games. We didn't have uh, computers. We didn't have the Internet. We had Nintendo. So that's about it. And in 87, <laughs> uh, probably most people actually didn't have a Nintendo yet because they were so kind of pricey. I think 87 is the year I got my Nintendo. So that can only entertain you for so much. These games like, you know, how long does it take to beat Super Mario Brothers? You know, an hour, maybe. <laughs> They're yeah. not like these uh you know, 70 hour role playing games that we have today. Uh, so what we had to do is we had to go out into the world and try to raise demons to fight. Cause that's all we had for entertainment. <laughs> so, you know, I've had my fair share of failed, failed demon raises, raising demons. Yeah, that's fair. Who am I to judge? And, you know, we had to go get stitches and shit, fuck ourselves up. Cause that's, that's all we had to do. Yeah. <laughs> Never raised a demon, Chantel? Well, like, there was that one time, and yeah, why Brody doesn't live here anymore. <laughs> no, just kidding. Brody's dead, isn't he? He got replaced by a pod person. Never know. We never will. Um, and you said at the beginning you thought this was like Gremlins, but I think that you're just saying that because there's little people, little kids. I think Gremlins is a much uh, scarier movie than this. Yeah, like, I enjoyed Gremlins a lot more, but I felt like just having those little creature things, it just, like, I don't know, they gave me kind of, like, a... Yeah, it's a, it's a natural vibe. it's a natural comparison. But I will uh, I will argue with anyone that Gremlins is a true horror film and not a child's horror film. 
But this film, let me ask you this. So Demetrius is nine still? Ten. Oh, he finally turned ten. He is ten. Wow, that only took about four years. <laughs> let's see if it goes. Let's see if it gets to eleven faster. <laughs> but at ten years old, would you let Demetrius watch this film? Um, probably not. I honestly think it would scare him. Yeah. Yeah, like very hit and miss. He's a little bit sheltered. <laughs> Are you a helicopter parents? I think I was a little bit, a little bit too careful. <laughs> and he turned ten. I was like, oh, let's watch the first episode of Stranger Things. Do it, and we sat down and we watched the first episode of Stranger Things. And he was real spooked by the end of it. Oh yeah! And I was like, "Oh shit!" Like that's not even scary. And I was like, "Oh no, what have I done?" <laughs> the the Demogorgon is fucking scary, man. The not first in the episode. Not in the I second season so. when he's a parody of himself, but the first season, I kind of think I, so. I, think the first episode would be too scary and like i've rewatched that one a few times but when he went to bed he's just like can you make sure the door is locked and i was like yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> oh no um, yeah there, there's some stuff in this that could give a kid a nightmare but let me tell you this uh if we were still doing uh spookarama radio which was my uh, failed attempt at a uh horror podcast for kids um failed only because we didn't have the time to put the production in it honestly but um, I would I would do this movie on that show. Is that because there's like no like on screen deaths or anything like that? Like no like yeah, it all, gore. Yeah, exactly. It, it all it all ends up fine. There's no I mean is there there's a very little blood. I don't know. I think that like whole claymation scene where he put his like hands through his dad's face is a little bit creepy. Yeah, that would fuck a kid up. <laughs> Between that and the you know, the the arms reaching from under the bed. Um, and you know, the dead guy in the wall and the little guys. Yeah. There's some nightmare inducing, um, fuel there. If, if somebody is prone to that, but I think it's hokey enough, you know, that just a little bit too silly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, most of the kids I know were, I mean, maybe not anymore right now because it's such a cyclical thing, but, uh, most of the kids I know were super into five nights at Freddy's and that's way scarier than this. Oh, yeah, Demetrius was obsessed. I mean, you know, I think that uh, some of the other shows that movies that we've covered on there, a couple of the episodes we did horror for kids, uh, Monster Squad, for example, Hocus Pocus, both scarier than this. Yeah, I I can agree with that. And at the in the it's end, like it, a different way. In the end, it's the same same situation. All the kids are fine. Everyone lives. Well, maybe not in Hocus Pocus, but it's a good thing that the every night everybody lived in Hocus Pocus. That's what he wanted, man. So then, if this one would be okay for kids, what about Hereditary? No, the remake is much <laughs> is much not so similar. <laughs> well, they they took uh, somebody said, you know, hey, The Gate is a really great movie, and I grew up on it. I love it. What if it was rated R and super scary? You get hereditary. See, that's how it works. Uh, actually, the funny thing is, uh, my wife is really frightened by Paranormal Supernatural. She doesn't like horror in general, mostly, but I can get her to watch most stuff. But, but Paranormal Supernatural stuff, nope. Cannot do it. Um, she gets, listen, we watched Amityville, the original 1970s, and mm-hmm. she didn't even say, she didn't, she didn't, 
watch the whole thing. And afterwards, I had to make sure that the VCR we have we still have VCR in our house. Well, we have all the, we have all the other stuff too, but we have a VCR as well. Um, the lights were on, and she made me come in. She was in the living room. I was in the bedroom. She made me come in to the living room and turn it off because she looked like ghost eyes. Oh no! Yeah. So that's how bad it is with her. We were watching the, Sh- the Shining at one point. She this we were both sitting on the floor for some reason. We were much younger at that point. Um, she got so scared she jumped up. It kicked me in the stomach and ran <gasps> out and ran off. <laughs> <laughs> to this day, she has no idea why she reacted that way, but that's kind of I. So I texted her right away because I didn't watch this at my house. I watched it at a friend's house, and I said, "You're never allowed to watch Hereditary ever." <laughs> so I I kind of want to know what her reaction would be if she did watch it. <laughs> um, she'd watch. She could watch this one. I think The Gate. She's kind of like I shouldn't say this about my wife, but she's kind of like you know eleven. Her old kid. Oh, no. <laughs> With what she watches. So go ahead and rate uh, The Gate, the original, you know, the movie that The Hereditary is based on. Okay, this movie is not what Hereditary is based on. I went into this movie hearing from, like, some other people that I follow in the horror community, and they have given really good reviews about it, and they, like, I always see them posting that they're watching this, and, like, taking photos of them watching this movie, and <laughs> all this stuff. So I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to watch this movie. And then I saw some fucking geode chicken demon thing. Yeah. Yeah, like, geode chicken demons. I'm going to put that on my uh, Instagram. Thank you. Geode chicken demons. I'm going to send you a picture later and you'll see. You'll you'll see. Okay. It's going to be a fucking geodemon. Right, right. Chicken thing. Anyways, so I I don't know what I really expected. Like, I think I expected more of something from, like, I don't know, what, like, The Beyond or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. (laughs) And not this. So I was pretty let down. Uh, I didn't think the effect, like, I like, the one moment I liked was the only moment that reminded me of the Evil Dead movies. And that was just, like, the claymation. And I just kind of liked the way that looked. Uh, I didn't like care for the actors or how they acted. I didn't care for much of the special effects. I didn't really care much for the story. I didn't care much for the plot holes that were within the story. <laughs> I give this movie a four out of ten. Four out of ten. I mean, I take the movie for what it is. It is a uh, PG thirteen, made on the cheap, horror for kids sort of uh, HBO special. Uh, was it even released in theaters? Says it was released May fifteenth, nineteen eighty seven. Yeah, so I made a box office of thirteen point five million, which is pretty good for nineteen eighty seven. So this one had high hopes. Uh, with all that in mind, it's you know, I can see why people like it as a guilty pleasure because it's probably you know something that they grew up when the, they're looking at things through the nostalgia glasses, um, which I have a lot of films that uh, that I do that with as well. Um, but knowing what it is, setting my expectations a little bit lower. You know, if you if your expectations are low and you take home the girl who's still at the bar at three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> you kind of know what you're getting. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I could definitely recommend this movie to certain people who like cheesy 80s fun horror films. 
So I'm also going to give it a four. We completely agreed with both films. Crazy. Like, what are the chances? Today. Uh, it's kind of scary, Chantel, because I feel like we have completely different tastes <laughs> in movies. Oh, definitely. Uh, Never happened. You tend to like shit movies, even though, like, you know they're shit. <laughs> yeah. And I tell you all the reasons that they're, they're shit, and you're like, yeah, whatever, but I like it. <laughs> that is care. so accurate. Except for this one, which you've called shit, and you don't seem to like this one. Yeah. Um, Honestly, like, a, like, this one shocked me. I figured this would have been something that I liked in, like, a cheesy kind of funny way. But I just imagined it to be something different for whatever reason. And then when I saw the stupid little demon things, I was just so done. <laughs> uh, have you ever seen Subspecies? No, I have not. Wait, 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 wait. So the stupid little demon things in this film pissed you off. But all of the claymation shit in the Evil Dead stuff you love. I fucking live for it. <laughs> I live for it. I love it. So there's no consistency here whatsoever. Nope. It's like Jessica's rating system. Well, that is... Uh, <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> I mean, come on. There's some consistency. Like I liked it for different reasons. What if like, these guys the were, of- were red? Instead of gray. No, that'd be way worse. They'd look like fucking little, like... That would look even dumber. That would be so dumb. Well, I'm trying to say they don't like chicken breast to you. Yeah, like I, a I <laughs> you got to be the only person in the universe that's ever compared these little guys to chicken breasts. I don't know. Okay, Maybe. well, we're going to try to make it chin. Or chin. We're going to try to make it trend. Geo chicken demons. Chicken breast demons. So everyone who's listening to this, let's hashtag Geo Chicken Breast Demons on every social media (laughs) that you're on today. Uh, And if it's anything like my experience with the podcast previously, Chantel, at least two people will do that. It will trend somewhere. If they're both in Norway, I bet it trends there. Fucking better. (laughs) So there we go. We have it. the, The Gate, 1987. Uh, in its remake, Hereditary, from 2018. Uh, we've covered both of those films. Today, uh, Chantel and I were in agreement, which doesn't happen very often, honestly. Um, I'm stunned. I know, because I'm a, I'm a horror snob. I'm, I'm willing to admit it. Pretentious and all this other bullshit. Can't help myself. Uh, and you're like, it's awful. I love it. Um but not today. Not <laughs> well, maybe, today. maybe I'm learning from you, Ron. Like all these years of listening to your podcast and recording with you. I'm and finally getting through to someone. You might be. Makes it worth all eight years of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Expect more out of your horror people. Uh, so anyway, very much uh, thanks to uh, Shani Dreadful for coming on to the podcast, especially on Mother's Day. I hope that your Mother's Day meal was awesome and did not uh, contain chicken breasts. I'm going to guess that it didn't. Um, it did not. Thank you. <laughs> um, I hope it can contain poutine, though, because that shit was delicious. It is delicious. Uh, thanks for Shane Dreffel for coming on the show. Uh, check us out on the Padded Room Network. Uh, check out all the shows on the Padded Room Network. Check us out on Zombie7.com. Over 300 shows there on Zombie7.com for you to peruse uh, through. If you get bored at work, 
or whatever, you know, and you listen, you listen to like, you know, 600 hours of content. That is your website right there. Start at show number one, work your way through. Uh, except for if you listen to this right now, then you've already you've already spoiled the ending. Show 303. Uh, if you have any interest in uh, anything else pop culture related and or kind of horror related, uh, check out IHateStuff.net. It's called IHateStuff.net because I hate stuff. Like generally, like I'm not, I'm not very uh, friendly when it comes to my reviews. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know this. So IHateStuff.net currently going through the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm currently going through. Uh, every episode of the 1970s paranormal show in in search of if you've ever seen that one, Chantel hosted by Leonard Nimoy. Like we're, I'm taking it episode by episode, kind of breaking it down and updating from the 70s. You know, if you're into paranormal and or supernatural uh, things, in search of was an amazing show. So we're doing little mini reviews of those as well. So if you're interested in those, check, check check that out. If you have any interest in learning about what actually happened during the uh, Salem Witch Trial 1692, check out the uh, Salem 1692 podcast. It's available on iTunes, Stitcher, all that great stuff. Also, you can just stream it from uh, IHateStuff.net because that's the home of the Salem 1692 podcast. So with that being said, we're going to end the show. See you guys uh, in June. Hopefully... At one, at one point, we'll get all this sound stuff figured out. One of these shows is going to sound fucking amazing. I promise that. I don't know what the theme for... beautiful. I don't know what the theme for June uh, will be, but we'll figure it out then, and we will uh, see you then. See you in about a month. Bye. Could it all be a bad dream or a nightmare? Is it my imagination, or have we lost our minds? It's surreal. It's just not believable. A grand absurdity. Before we get... <laughs> you all right? I thought I muted my mic. Yeah. It's <laughs> all, so uh, all that weed you've been smoking. <laughs> that Canadian slow weed. Now that it's legal, hey. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I've seen Sigma, but I don't remember much about that movie. Obviously, I just said the wrong actress. <laughs> can you say something for me real quick try again my name is Chantel and okay. I am recording <laughs> <laughs> okay he was just like did you tell him to and I was like no I didn't even know that he did that yeah you know Chantel's like, mom and I that was so sweet Chantel's mom and I we got a connection oh my god uh, yeah you danced with my mom at my wedding <laughs> I mean you know hey listen out of respect for your dad I didn't dirty dance Oh my god! But I was my dad probably would have just laughed, honestly. But I was, uh, you know, I was a little intoxicated. Could have happened. <laughs> I would have been like screaming. And I don't, I don't even want to mention that your mother put down your sleeping child to dance with me. She did. She put down my little baby. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, now he's going to end up like Annie. So there you go. I'm going to give you guys a little hint. Um. Cause I'm amazed at how many people after the it trailer two chap or chapter two trailer dropped uh, didn't know the scene because I'm like oh you haven't read the book I mean come on uh, this amazes me at people so I haven't read that book uh, but here's a little for those of you having here's a little spoiler don't get uh, really attached to Stanley Uris for the second film there you go that's that's my hint of the day even if they put him in all the marketing don't get attached it's only gonna break your heart.
Bye-bye.